Welcome, everybody, to episode 70 of the Anime Arcade Podcast. This is our part two uh, review cast for the, I don't know, but my spring. name is Jeff, and I'm <laughs> for spring. The, for the, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's late. We're, we're up late. Uh, at least I am doing this cast. Uh, it's uh, It was fun, though. And my name is Jeff, and I'm here with Carlos. <laughs> What's up, everyone? And Logan. Yo. <laughs> um. So we finished off our reviews for the season, uh, ended up having, I think, uh, a, a good cast. I think we went through some pretty good shows uh, tonight, and um, I at least enjoyed our conversation. How do you, anything you guys wanted to add? That was a solid season, for sure. Go watch the shows we liked and and boo and hiss at the shows we didn't like. No, just <laughs> watch them for yourself. Yeah. Let us know what you thought of our yeah thoughts yeah give us your opinions uh what you thought what you thought of the shows we we discussed today and um certainly the shows we discussed in part one as well if you haven't done that already and uh look forward to hearing that um and uh thanks for listening enjoy area as well or is it just up here in the northwest i, I don't know, know california i saw on the news california was supposed to be getting hit pretty hard um by by some heat but i know here in uh north carolina where i am currently has been raining the last two days and it's actually cool enough you could probably wear a jacket so oh, i'm envious <laughs> you know there was a fire near my house recently oh nice yeah that sounds yeah. like california yeah yeah so I mean, I could see it from a window. Wow, that's that yeah, really was, close. It was, it was like literally across the street. Oh boy! Well, behind the house that's across the street from me, there's like an empty field, and it was it went up pretty pretty quickly. Hmm. We almost had because uh, there's a, a a little like ranch area with like pigs and cows and goats and shit. We almost had roast pig there for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Luckily the the firefighters and the farmers were able to move everything. You would have had the smell of bacon filling your town. <laughs> As opposed to the smell of garlic. So that's a good combo. That's right. Bacon, bacon and garlic. Yeah. That's right. I forgot you live in the garlic capital of the, of the world. Yeah. Of the world. Don't, don't forget it. As Like they're, they're running trains. It's like, I just saw Caltrans had a tweet that they're like very proud to be supporting the 40th annual garlic festival i'm like you know how hot it's gonna be here why would anybody want to go out i don't know see garlic <laughs> or whatever they do there i've i've honestly never been i don't like going there yeah i don't know i'm curious about this the flavor of like a garlic ice cream or something that i'm sure they probably yeah, I'm sure they there. Do that. i don't care <laughs> uh yes yeah we we have our uh, our own little american uh festivals like they have in anime they're just a lot less entertaining because we don't have those uh 
those uh, weird balloon yo-yos or, or goldfish goofy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a bunch of girls walking around in kimonos either, I'm sure. You cut them. Uh, those those would be like plastered to them in because like the place that they have the garlic festival is dead in the sun like very little shade so yeah, that would be uncomfortable i'm sure yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's it was like 90 degrees here today which you know i know there are hotter places in the world but i'm dying a little bit <laughs> uh, it was brutal uh it was brutal back in florida when i left um uh, we don't usually get above 100. It's usually 90s is pretty brutal for us, but uh, it was over 100 and it was miserable. See, this is why summer is great for anime because <laughs> you just stay in your house, in your air-conditioned house, and watch anime. And like people are like, what about winter? Well, winter's great for anime because it's cold outside, so you just bundle up, <laughs> stay in your house, and watch anime. And like, what about spring and fall? What's well, fucking raining outside? You want me to go out in that? No, I'm going to stay inside, and I'm going to watch this. This is terrible, terrible <laughs> mentality to have. But you're not wrong. <laughs> Someone stop me. <laughs> no, no, keep going. <laughs> All seasons. Welcome to the Neat Life Podcast. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't leave my room. Now, <laughs> uh, uh, well, this is part two of our uh, our reviews. Uh, we ended on a high note for part one, so hopefully you listened to that and listened all the way through. And um, I'd like to think we're hopefully going to end on a high note for this one, even if the show's maybe not necessarily a high note. Not you know, you don't know what the last show is, so you're not going to know if that's. Wow. Now you might know if you looked at the description. STs. <laughs> yeah um <laughs> anyway uh yeah so so we've got we've got our shows and um unless there's anything you guys want to add we can jump right in no oh, i, think I mean carlos I, has one note yeah uh i was going to uh review uh space battleship tiramisu i have like four or five episodes left to go i'm pretty sure it's five it might be four i don't remember uh but uh like my plan for today because we recorded these like like normally we record these like a week apart or like, two weeks this apart is, even <laughs> yeah this is literally the next day from from the last episode you watched we were recording this the next day so my plan for today because you know I'm on summer break and I'm kind of just waiting to move uh, was uh, to to sit here and watch like just four episodes four or five episodes of Tiramisu which would have just been like an hour. Instead, I completely forgot, and I played uh, Enter the Gungeon uh, and listened to podcasts all day. So <laughs> apologies, that's not getting reviewed. Uh, if I had to guess, I haven't seen the end of it. It probably would have gotten like a three, three point five. So there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Real quick, does uh, does Enter the Gungeon get a, uh, a thumbs up? Absolutely, it's a lot of fun. It's just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like seven bucks on Steam if you like top-down indie shooters that are batshit insane and very difficult because they're also bullet hells, then yeah, definitely give it a shot. None of that sounded appealing to me at oh, all. So much fun. <laughs> you don't want it you don't want to shoot a shotgun that's shaped like a shotgun shell that shoots actual shotguns and then those shotguns in turn shoot shotgun shells. <laughs> Sounds like something out of Borderlands. It's I think that's why I love it so yeah. much. Oh God! Yes, enter the gungeon. Two thumbs up. Um, that's fine. But, and instead, I think you had also mentioned instead of shooting fish in a barrel, you're actually shooting fish from out a, of a barrel. barrel. Yeah, there's a there's a barrel shaped gun that shoots fish. A, yeah, yeah. Or like the 
the beehive that shoots bees, which I guess that makes more sense than the other two that That's I just mentioned. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so uh, totally kind of dropped the ball on that. My apologies if you were looking forward to that uh, cast or that uh, review, but I mean, it's a short. My apologies. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, the first review here, actually. I, I can't wait to hear yeah, this one. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to talking about this one, too, because the first show on our list is one of my draft picks. Uh, this is High School DXD Hero. This would be the – hold on, let me think. New Born. This would be the fourth season of High School DXD, unless I'm completely wrong. Uh, but um, uh, this season um, – I will say I, I didn't review Born, but uh, uh, spoilers: Born sucked. Born was awful. <laughs> it was all over the place. Like, like uh, they tried to do too much at once. It felt like uh, the old, um, the old studio for uh, High School DxD, which, by the way, this was picked up by a new studio this uh, this season. Uh, the old studio was TNK. It felt like they were like the license was running out. And they needed or they wanted to get as much of the story out as possible. So Born is just a clusterfuck of story. Um, And stuff just happens way too quickly. Um, So if you're thinking about getting into high school DxD because, like me, you're a pervert and you like love ecchi and comedy and the idea of an opi dragon. Yes, you heard me right. Opi dragon (laughs) is literally words that, that are said in this show multiple times, um, then I would say watch season one, season two, and then skip Born and go to Hero because Hero actually has an episode zero that pretty much just encapsulates the important parts of Born um, and, and shoots you into the this latest season. Uh, this was picked up by uh, Studio Passion? Passion. It's Passion with... Yeah, passion with an E at the end, but I'm not French, so it's passion. Um, <laughs> and they've done uh, Citrus, which I loved, and Rail Wars, which I actually enjoyed, and Roka no Yusha, which I uh, massively disliked. But um, Not because of how it looked? Not because of how it looked, no. Um, but uh, they did an absolutely phenomenal job. Um, it looks a lot better than the the TNK version, which I didn't think was possible because you know I was so used to uh, their kind of art style for High School DxD. Um, they they kind of get you into it with kind of like a lighter episode, and then just jump right into uh, the arcs that they were talking about in Born. Um, the first arc is the Kyoto trip, uh, where Issei. Oh, hell. The only uh, So everyone goes on this trip with the exception of uh, Rias, Akeno, and uh, I believe it's Koneko because they're all third years and this is the second year trip. So it's all the second years and first years or whatever um, who are part of the uh, Gremory Familia, whatever, family, whatever. Um, they go to Kyoto and uh, the – because this like – for those of you who don't know, like if, if you're listening to this review and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You really need to watch the other season. You can honestly skip this part. I'd, I'd rather you not. But I mean, yeah, skip this part if you're like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about because I'm not going to go too far into it. But suffice to say that if if you are interested, the uh, this world has uh, devils, fallen angels, angels. So like essentially the, the Judeo-Christian kind of pantheon. But then it also has... 
the Greek pantheon, the Norse pantheon. Uh, and in this one, they're in Kyoto. So, of course, they have uh, um, like they're supernatural beings. Uh, they meet up with a, uh, a nine-tailed uh, fox girl who's trying to save her mom. Uh, her mom was uh, under like attack by uh, this kind of loose i don't know how you say it this loose organization of uh people who are trying to gain power they're kind of like heroes or, or no they're the descendants of heroes of the past who are trying to overcome uh all these um supernatural beings or what and whatnot um and so uh what do you call it uh isei and and friends uh are met, are able to help um, free the the nine tailed fox woman who uh, runs Kyoto, and uh, she is spectacularly busty, which <laughs> is just a lot of fun. Um, if I if if like if I'm giving like giving off the impression that this is a serious show, I mean there are there are serious points in the show. Don't get me wrong, like you know they do have their moments of tension, but it's always undercut by the you know. Uh, the incredible amounts of Etchy. Uh, and then from that arc, they this season they jump into um, the the much-awaited uh, raiding game. And the raiding game is done between um, like prominent devil families um, in the underworld uh, the, where the, the head of the family, so in this case, uh, Rias, goes up against another one and they pit their their pieces because each you know character is or each one of their family is like a chess piece uh, against each other in like combat and you know the the one who's got the last one uh wins or whatever uh it was a decent tournament arc although i kind of would have liked more of it i kind of wish what they did instead because it was fun i, I actually really enjoy the, the fights in high school dxd uh, because they're they're kind of ridiculous um, in that they 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 get more and more kind of grandiose really like as the series has progressed. I mean, Hyoto Issei's like ability at first was just he had this glove that like he could like boost his strength and like hit people really hard, and then it turned into a full set of armor. And then like <laughs> in Born, he turns into a fucking like Godzilla type creature at, in anger, and um, so it's like. I kind of wanted to see more of like these grandiose, ridiculous battles. Um, also, real quick, by the way, like if if you're listening and you've never seen the show and you're like, 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 is this the show for me? Does the idea of being able to power up by poking a girl's nipples in, like, <laughs> does that entice you? Because that happens in this show, and that's why Kyoto Ise is the Opai Dragon. Um, and and hearing like hundreds of school children yell, you know, like for the Opie Dragon, like because they cheer him on because he's also like a like almost like a Power Ranger figure in the under in Underworld TV. So kids love him. I mean, yeah, hilarious. I I love this show. But yeah, so the, the tournament arc, I could have wished for a little bit more of it. Uh, in my opinion, not nearly enough. Um, About how much of the show was the tournament? Arc? Half. But I think I think with. A full. I think they could have because they've been hyping up this rating game forever. I mean, since like damn near season one. I think. I mean, I'd have to rewatch season one. It's been a while, but um, you know, because 
you want to win the rating game as as the leading you know leader of a family because you know that just ups your prominence and when you uh get out of high school or and go get out of college and stuff like that you can be in i don't know the devil government or whatever um but uh yeah i I think that like they kind of rushed through some of the fights because it was just like crap you know we have to get to the point where isei uh is fighting the the main other devil um i think it was sayorog yeah sayorog um who's like this guy who he didn't have like devil powers. He was, he was the, the child of, you know, two very prominent devils, but he had no power to him. So essentially he just like, he just like worked out until he was so fucking strong that nobody <laughs> could stop him. Um, but he was like, he was like, I think it was cool because instead of being like a dick, like, you know, like the rivals always like, always kind of like an asshole. Like this guy was genuinely a good guy. Um, so seeing the fight between them where there was conflict because both sides didn't want to lose. It was almost more like a sports anime because they, you know, neither side was that kind of cocky, arrogant asshole. Um, they just, you know, didn't want to let their people down. Um, and it ended on a, on a pretty good note for him. Uh, there was a little bit of drama concerning, uh, his mother and, and that got all kind of worked out, which was nice. Um, one final note, um, I won't drag this on too long because, again, I, I doubt if you haven't seen the show. I'm not sure if you'd start right now. But um, the censorship on Crunchyroll, really, really annoying. Just super annoying. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to wait for the Blu-rays. But, man, I wish that they wouldn't do that shit. I mean, that, yeah. I, I don't think that's going to knock the rating down for me. But, man, that's stupid. Uh Okay. Yeah, you you feel like there should be Crunchyroll should have some type of uncensored uh, a version or an account you could pay a couple extra bucks for even or um, I don't know. There's got to be legal reasons that they do that because it definitely defeats a lot of the purpose well, I mean, of watching a show like this potentially. I imagine they have to keep it all ages, but then High Dive does it. Well, and then there's like shows like my wife is a student council president that has two versions. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, yeah, it's just put though. parental locks on on what do you call it accounts. Give parents that option, and if their kids are watching uncensored stuff, well, then that's on them for not looking up what their kids are watching. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, I'm gonna give this one a four out of five. It probably would have gotten a little higher, but I think, I mean, as much as I wanted the rating game to happen because it, you know they've been hyping it up for so long, I think waiting another season and, and doing like a fully fleshed out rating game between multiple families rather than just two uh, probably would have been ideal. Unless, I mean, I could be wrong. The rating game could go on. But yeah, four out of five. I mean, I think that's fair. I really loved uh, what what Passion did to uh, High School DxD, and I was really worried about it. Nice. Well, that's good to hear. Um, sounds like a, sounds like another another good installment for fans of that of that series. Oh, by Dragon. <laughs> so it's time for this your one. turn <laughs> um, okay so I'm happy to announce that I did not watch a Clockwork Planet show this season nice okay <laughs> but I did watch a show called Caligula and uh, really the show was 
this show was a bit of a confusion for me. I think the best words I can think of to describe um, would be what the fuck. <laughs> Caligula, like, what the fuck? Because I spent almost the entire show being really quite confused. Um, basically, we've got a show here that is about uh, people who are kind of into escapism and they, they are not happy because they have some type of fantasy or some kind of uh, um, desire that's not being fulfilled in the real world. So in comes a, uh, an idol. Um, and, and I want to just make everyone aware in case they're not aware at this point that I'm going to spoil this show. Though I have a feeling, honestly, if I could go back and rewatch this, though I don't think I will, um, knowing a little more about what happens actually may add to the experience because I think one of my biggest attractions about the show is the fact that I really was so confused throughout most of it. <laughs> um, and for some, that may be uh, that may be a bonus. Maybe you really enjoy the mystery, but um, I'll get into why I don't think that that was necessarily handled very well. But um, so we have a show about these characters and it, it's a large cast of characters who are um, kind of pulled into this world of uh, it's like a virtual world that's created by this idol um, who is kind of like a, a Miku, like a virtual, a virtual idol um, who wants to make everyone happy. So she has really good intentions. And so she creates this virtual world where she can do everything she feels she needs to do to make people happy though. Uh, where things are weird is that um, people don't necessarily know what's going to make them happy. Uh, and everyone kind of has their own things that they think will make them happy. And for some, uh, they, they find that that is not necessarily um, the answer to why they're unhappy. You know, I, I think human beings have a tendency of thinking, if I just have this, I'm going to be happy. Uh, and this show kind of explores that. Um, and, so we, we go through this, this entire kind of show at this point, exploring all these different characters and their perception on the world and the things that they're experiencing in this kind of virtual world um, seem to confuse them in a way. It certainly confused me. Basically, think of a place where most of the people that you see are... Uh, uh, I, I want to say almost like the matrix in a way, because I feel like most of the people experiencing this virtual world were kind of unaware that it was anything different. They're just going about their normal everyday lives. They're going about their business. Um, and these people in the world are portrayed with uh, hazy faces and just their bodies are kind of hazy. Like they don't really exist. Um, or at least they're not really a personality. Whereas our characters that are personalities, um, they're kind of the, the woke ones. They actually know they're in this. Uh... <laughs> Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> right. So, so they actually do have faces. Um, and they, they, the weird thing here is they also have this ability. This is where the very anime-ish thing comes in um, to – turn their body they, they get this weird spike that comes through their chest and they like can turn their hands into weapons and um you've got two groups of of the woke ones uh you've got the musicians uh who are people who are in this world they know they're in this world and they're they're having a great time because they're living out their fantasies their excesses you know they uh um they're 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 having everything that they didn't have in the real world and they don't want it to go away and then the the main and those they're kind of portrayed as the bad guys as you can imagine and then the main group of uh 
these people who are the, the go home club and they want to go, they want to, they want to go home. They, they uh, realize that this is not what they were, what they signed up for. Um, though most of these people did not sign up for this. Um, and they want to, they want to go back to the real world. And so their kind of, uh, mission is to figure out how they can get out of Muse's world. Uh, Muse being the idol girl who has kind of trapped them all in here. Um, and so this sh- entire show kind of proceeds through episode by episode. You're kind of exploring each of these characters in the weird way they're experiencing or the weird way that they're kind of realizing that they are in a, a fake virtual world and um, experiencing the effects of, of what Muse thinks. You know, Muse is doing these things that they, she thinks will make them happy and they are uh, not necessarily happy uh, because they're like, whoa, you know what? I don't, I don't know that I... I don't know that this is exactly what I wanted, Muse. Um, one girl, her mom, her mom was fat, and she was really embarrassed about the fact that her mom was fat, and she was always worried that she um, would get fat. So uh, there's an interesting interaction between her and this group of girls who um, love eating sweets. And so the girls who loved eating sweets, there's this really, really weird kind of disturbing scene where they just are stuffing their face with sweets and getting fat, like progressively fatter as they stuff their face with sweets. And this girl is like really turned off by fat people. Um, and so she's like disgusted. And this is a, this is a good character too, which is weird. Like these characters are all really kind of, um, kind of broken in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, you've got a guy who, and you're experiencing this, but you're not really sure what's going on throughout these episodes. And I'm saying these things cause I know because you wait until the, second to last episode to finally be introduced to these characters and their emotions and have them tell their story as to why they want to leave this place and why they want to go back to the real world and why they were in this place in the first, you know, why they were in this virtual world in the first place. So you really spend about 10 episodes just being confused, seeing like these characters go through these weird situations and being like, why, why is this happening? Why is, uh, this guy with a gun on his hand running around killing people? Why is this, um, why is this weird, uh, you know, lady with a lion around her neck, uh, you know, stepping on men and, um, uh, it's just odd stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, at least for me, it didn't make much sense until literally the second to last episode when you finally get this kind of emotional connection, like about a minute and a half a piece for these main characters where they're like, let me tell you my story and why, you know, I hated my life and why I want to go back anyway. Um, we're finally in like the 11th episode. You're like, huh? Uh, if I had known about this, you know, 10 episodes ago, maybe I actually would have cared about these characters. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't know throughout the entire show that didn't, none of the characters were really memorable to me. Um, I think the delivery for what could have been actually a really, uh, I think a really interesting show. I think the premise was pretty, pretty cool. Um, whether it be the writing or, or what I I just, it, it was confusing and I didn't have any connection to any of these characters, which I think was really important for a show like this to actually care about what was going on with them in this really mind fuckery of a world, you know? Um, and so, Everything kind of culminates, and I think in a way that uh, ended up being pretty good. I, I would say the last two episodes of this show I actually really enjoyed. The first ten of the episodes, I uh, um, I enjoyed the music because the show has a 
phenomenal soundtrack. Um, really, really good soundtrack. There's a lot of, uh, I don't know, I don't know the, the kind of the story behind it, but um, it sounds like there's some kind of an idol or a band or something that did a lot of music for this show. Because uh, there were a lot of scenes where on the top of the screen, you even had the subtitles from the background song that was playing, which almost was kind of annoying, actually, because I'm trying to read what the characters are saying on the bottom. And you've got two groups of subtitles that are kind of covering the screen. Um, so I was tempted to read both at a, a lot of the time, and it made it kind of distracting to read what the characters are up to. Um, but the music was really good. The background music was all really good. The opening and the closing were really good. Um, that would be the shining kind of thing about this show and, and that's what's going to really save its score from being in the in the dumps to be honest um but uh music was good i think the character designs were 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 pretty good in some ways in other ways they were super generic so i found that uh i didn't there were some characters that had really noticeable designs muse being one of them she's kind of like your twin-tailed gray-haired anime uh idol girl um had this girl who was really obsessed with social media and kind of like really um, she, she had again had black twin tails, but with glasses. So maybe that's why she stuck out. But uh, the majority of them were pretty generic looking. Um, and a lot of the time, some of the not headline characters, the ones that were just part of the group, I didn't really know who they were most of the time because I just couldn't tell them apart from each other. And that wasn't necessarily their designs, but more just that they uh, weren't, um, there wasn't an ex explanation as to who the hell they were in the first place, <laughs> but at least until the second to last episode. So Caligula, um, do you guys have any questions based on what I've said? Any, any, anything that you saw that you're curious about? What was the point of the, the fat chick story <laughs> or the not fat chick? Um, yeah. So the fat phobic chick. Like, yeah. The fat phobic chick. She just, um, was sad that her mom was fat and she then she felt bad and she's like i felt really sorry because <laughs> so so muse but basically so this this girl um her whole story was about her mom and how she was embarrassed that her mom was overweight and uh and so she comes in and muse gives her a skinny mom like a super skinny mom like emaciated and she's like i don't like this either because my mom won't even eat dinner with me so then muse that's set, that's your problem her, is that she won't eat dinner with you not that she's right. fucking emaciated <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, so then she gives her like the super bubbly, like uh, she wakes up another morning in there and then she's got a different mom and it's like she's the super bubbly, uh, like, you know, happy mom who will eat dinner uh, or eat meals with her daughter. And she's kind of like, whoa, I, I, you know, I love my mom. I miss my mom. I guess it doesn't really matter that she's fat. So um, and but again, you don't find this out until episode 11 in about a minute and a half little monologue that she gives. And that's what you get for each of these characters that, uh, so I don't actually know or care about any of the characters until episode 11. I, I sat through 10 episodes of just nonsense. <laughs> um, um, I, I thought that the delivery for the show was absolutely horrible. Uh, it, it really could have been good. And I think that this was, um, the biggest disappointment for me that this, this, I think the premise of the show was was um, was interesting. I think it could have been really interesting and really good, but the delivery was horrible. I thought the animation was kind of horrible at times too, um, which didn't help. Uh, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I I can't say just watch the last two episodes because 
that would really just not make any sense. But uh, I don't know what else to say. I, I watched, I watched like one episode of this, yeah, and I was like, yeah, at uh, soccer Conless, uh or this last spring. Um, my one question is, what happens with Muse? Did you say? Yeah. So if we want to, because it turns out one of the characters that was in there in the Go Home Club was actually the developer for Muse. He was the one who created her. Uh, and was it the main he, guy? Yeah, of course. I think it okay. was, well, yeah. th- that was part of the first episode that was like confusing to me because they show him at the computer with Muse, but then he's in the simulation or whatever. So, yeah. Okay. Um, they do show a glimpse of the real world towards the end where it's showing that all of these people are like in comatose states in the hospital, uh, you know, kind of like a sword out online type thing where they're all in, uh, um, they suddenly mm-hmm. went, fell into a coma while they were in this virtual world. And so he kind of has to go and um, come to terms with Muse. And it all really culminates in this really odd. And this is another thing. It just, it's the ta- it's like they gave this premise to a middle schooler um, who was really into like Resident Evil or something <laughs> and said, uh, make this into a story because just some of the ways that they portrayed this stuff, like Muse essentially turned into a final boss with like these mutations and started throwing shit around. And some of the bad guys just literally, there's one girl who starts spinning and these like lances are coming out of her body. So you're thinking like, it's to me, I'm watching this and I'm like, so this is a final boss in a video game Persona. or something like, yeah. I, right. Um, and yeah. And then he, he, uh, totally spoiling the, the entire show at this point, but he, he confesses his love to uh, muse and uh, she smiles, even though she's, she, and then she starts coming back from her mutated state and um, his way of shutting the world down is shooting muse in the head. And that, um, huh. that's what happens to muse. <laughs> <Weird>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, Glad um, I didn't watch this show. <laughs> glad I dropped I, it. I don't. This is not a show that I, I would recommend. Um, I would definitely recommend listening to the soundtrack and even potentially buying the soundtrack for this show because I think it's uh, it's really, really good. Um, other than that, um, a lot of it was nonsense. A lot of it made absolutely no sense to me. Uh, maybe maybe someone will out there listening will be like, wow, you're just stupid. You didn't get this and that and all the deeper meaning from these things. But I mean, yes, uh, but hurtful, hurtful guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Accurate, um, but hurtful. <laughs> uh, but to me, there can be deeper meaning in a show, but if it's not kind of delivered in a way that's enjoyable, what the hell's the point? I, I don't watch anime to, to try to read between the lines um, and sit there for, you know, and contemplate there's just there's too many good anime out there that actually deliver I mean, in a good way. I, so. I don't I don't mind doing that kind of stuff, but when that's your entire premise, if if that is their entire premise, because I don't know, I didn't watch it, but like if that is mm. your entire premise, no. No, I do that <laughs> stuff for school. I'm not doing that stuff in my leisure time. Right. Unless it's something that I'm super interested in. Yeah. Um so I, I without to, to not beat a dead horse here, I think Muse, um Pretty much solely because of the music in the last two episodes earns a uh, 2.5. 2.5. Yeah. Okay. Way to steal the name of a great idol group. How dare you, yeah. Caligula? How dare you? So the next show that we are going to talk about was one of my draft picks, and that is Love is Hard for an Otaku 
or a Wotokoi. Uh, well, it's hard for an otaku. I'm not even going to try the full Japanese name. Wotaku. Wotaku. Um, and oh it, no, that's right. In English, it was Wotakoi. Weird. Yeah, Wotakoi. Yeah. Oh, I get it. They just combined that. Okay, never mind. Well, like, it's like what? What is Wota? Because Koi is love. Well, no, it's it's the whole the Japanese title is Wotaku ni Koi wa uh, Muzukashi, and oh. the so they just combine Wota, Wota and Koi. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Wotaku and Koi. So. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I watch this. I watch this one as well. Awesome. Yeah. It's uh, a rare workplace romance. Um. <laughs> Which instantly grabbed my attention when we were doing, uh, you know, picks and stuff. Um, and I had read, I think, like two or three chapters of the manga, so I was vaguely aware of what the uh, the premise was. But it's about um, this girl, or I should say, woman, uh, Narumi, who gets a job at a company. They never really say what they do. Um, Japanese business Japanese stuff. business stuff, yes. Yeah. Um and there uh, on her first day she's, you know, being taken to her workstation by a uh, her new coworker, uh Hanako Koyanagi, and she passes in the hall a gentleman by the name of Hirotaka, who was her childhood friend. Um and we come to find out that Narumi is a huge otaku. Um, and a huge Fujoshi and she doesn't want to ruin her image at the company right away. So she tries to like silence Hirotaka um, and they decide to go get drinks and catch up and stuff like that. And, you know, they talk about relationships and stuff like that. Either of them are in one and how uh, Narumi has been hiding that she's an otaku from all of her ex-boyfriends and how when they find out it never really goes well. And so at the end of the episode, um, Hirotaka decides to ask her out, and they <laughs> somehow start dating. It confuses Narumi, but she, like I think, inadvertently agrees to uh, go ahead with it. And from there, it's just kind of them working through what it means to be in a relationship when you are A, an otaku, and B, like childhood friends. And where, you know, are they dating for convenience or is it actual attraction and love? Um, and that's kind of a a through line um, throughout the anime as they, you know, repeatedly talk about how Hirotaka loves big boobed women and uh, that Hirotaka is not an army's type at all. But, you know, despite all that, they uh, do end up you know, coming to terms with the fact that they love each other and stuff like that. Um, there were just a lot of really good, cute moments in the show. And so I figured we could just kind of talk about those because there's no like, you know, oh my gosh, heavy storyline. It's just kind of, you know, the relationship and the relationship of their two co-workers, uh, Taru uh, Kabakura and the uh, aforementioned Hanako Koyanagi. I mean, their relationships right. are really weird and funny. Yeah, there, I mean, there is a heavy moment between them, and and like their couple. relationship is super toxic. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not great, but it's clear that they really do love each other. But it's yeah, <laughs> they have a lot going on. 
Um, just, he sucks. Yeah, As a person, he, he sucks. Does. He's just dense. He's quick to anger. Um, but he does have his moments. And there's some clearly something that uh, Koyanagi likes. Otherwise, I don't think that she would stick around because, yeah, he's like a ticking time bomb of a of a human being. So, um, I think you know there were two episodes that really kind of stood out to me um, coming out of the the season. It was only eleven episodes uh, because it's a Noitamina show. It's an Amazon show, and those usually only have eleven episodes. Um, episode three was one that I really, really enjoyed. Um, particularly the end of episode three when they're all hanging out at uh, Hirotaka's place and they like they play Mario Kart or something like that. And th- there's a lot of like actual like name dropping of games and anime and stuff like that, which is pretty cool to see. Lots of uh, screenshots of like Monster Hunter on uh, <laughs> switches and stuff. <laughs> I wish. I know. So I think isn't that uh, the Noe Tamina block on Japanese television is one of the more prime time blocks, right? So I guess I this is so. probably good. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah. But yeah, that uh, episode three, they're just kind of uh, hanging out at their place, and there's a moment where they're talking about how they met and became friends, uh, Narumi and Hirotaka, and Narumi can't remember, and that kind of, you know hits her pretty hard that he clearly you know that's an important memory for him but she can't remember it at all and so they have this like just really cute moment where they're kind of working out you know that it's they want to be fair to each other um and and so narmi's like okay you can i want to be fair i'm really sad that i can't remember this so go ahead and just punch me and so he kind of like psychs her out and ends up kissing her which was really really cute and fun and then after they kind of share that tender moment, uh, they're talking and um, uh, Hirotaka looks at his like shelf where he has all these figures and stuff, all these figures of big boob anime women, and they're all turned <laughs> around because <laughs> uh, Narmi was jealous. So there's just lots of cute, fun moments like that. Um, cute. I don't know if you have any standout moments, Carlos, that you remember. Uh, I do. I did enjoy the younger brother. Uh, yeah. Now uh, I liked. I liked a lot of moments with uh, with Naya. Uh, his his um, inability to play video games properly. Oh man. Um, and uh, uh, Hanako and Taru's uh, like tailing him when they first like see him because they think that. Oh yeah, I think that, that Narmi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that one made me laugh. Uh. Uh, I really enjoy yeah. the uh, amusement park episode as well. They're uh, like penalty game where they try to go on a date without oh, talking without, about without <laughs> otaku stuff. Yeah. yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, and I think I think one of the things I enjoyed the most was because they're all otaku, but they're not all the same kind of otaku. Mm-hmm. So having to like even even in an otaku sense, having to um, uh show interest or at least attempt to show interest attempt to understand your partner's uh interests yeah uh, like you know uh not both narumi and hanako are huge fujoshi and hanako is a is a cosplayer so yeah. and tauru is is you know shoujo manga slice yeah, of life manga man. guy so 
<laughs> and here we're talking even, being a being an like a video game guy he could give a, a crap less about anime yeah yeah um but even like between uh hanako and army they're both fujoshi but they're both like different kinds of fujoshi oh, there's lots of moments where they're, they're yeah like, they have like fights over <laughs> yeah over who's top who's bottom yeah good yeah. stuff like that <laughs> and ending friendships in the fujoshi community since <laughs> since i don't know 2000 something probably yeah what was the first fujoshi well, the no first fujoshi battle yeah uh it's, yeah it, it was really good it was done by a1 pictures um i never noticed they dip in quality animation wise um, really really fun op like definitely yes. not my op of the season but yeah. super fun yeah like, i uh, watched it every time because i enjoyed it so much i watched it once and that says a lot um <laughs> coming from me good character designs good music i'm trying to actually think if i remember what the music i will say the like. backgrounds aren't terribly diverse yeah. i mean but then they don't really go that far i mean aside from the amusement park it's it's pretty much you starbucks. can count on seeing the starbucks or the the you know whatever they call it the starbucks yeah. essentially uh you can uh hirataka's uh apartment um the bar and their work and every now and again you'll see Taur uh taurus uh taurus whatever he's however yeah. you say his name i don't remember but uh you see his, his apartment, his apartment. I, i'm so used to saying kabakura so seeing that first kabakura, name is yeah yeah his last name kabakura but song. um yeah you, you're gonna see those a lot i mean and then eventually they kind of try and tease you with like a potential next romance with uh with now and and oko and co who like they did a real like th this is the first time i've ever seen a character where it's like sh it's a female but she dresses like a male so everyone assumes that she's a male this is the first time i saw it and i'm like you know she actually really does kind of look like a male like drawing wise yeah. i, I think like, they did a good oh, job of that, with dude, that huh? yeah the voice was the only thing that kind of gave oh, it away yeah, yeah. for me but for know, sure you, what can you do um so let me ask you this yeah. um did did this feel uh because it sounds like a really cute and kind of fun romance mm -hmm. show but did it feel kind of realistic like for the otakus out there does this seem like a <laughs> like an actual realistic relationship for... I, i've never dated anyone with my exact same interests yeah <laughs> um i don't know i mean it felt realistic enough it's not like it was okay. anything out of left field something that couldn't right. be achieved uh, i mean it's a it's a comedy it. it's it's as realistic as it can be as a romantic yeah. comedy and there gotcha. were certainly yeah. heavy moments um a lot of i think most of them <laughs> were between kabakura and uh koyanagi well i'm mostly but... asking from like did this kind of hit the note of um uh you know uh, like uh sukigakire i guess where mm, no um, you know you're feeling like this feels really realistic it, it was more of a just a funny cute kind yeah, of it was romance. funny cute show lots of like i think like relationship goals um you know in this show but it's just it's the kind of thing that you throw on to have a a good time watching yeah have a laugh yeah have a and or like uh you know one of those touching awe moments every now and yeah. again so i just really i don't think i've ever met more. uh oh yeah <laughs> yeah I don't think I've ever in real life met uh, like a otaku couple, like two otaku. I, I definitely have. In love with each other. I have. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, mostly at conventions, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
developers were looking for a anime Tinder. <laughs> I'm sure that exists get, somewhere. Get on that. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, so so, any last thoughts? Go watch it. It's really good. Uh, the only yeah, for sure. you know, bad thing is it's on Amazon. Yeah, which is if you got Amazon. Pain. If you got Amazon, go watch it for sure. It. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I watched quite sure. a bit of it uh, on the flight to Japan. So definitely worth I, a binge. Yes, for sure. And it's, I think, an easy one to binge as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give Love is Hard for Otaku a 4.5 out of 5. Wow. Yeah, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I'm i actually going to give it a 4. That's fine. I liked I it, but... It. But I I didn't like like Kabakura had his moments, but man, he's an asshole sometimes. Yeah, it drove me nuts. <laughs> what drove me nuts? What drove? What drove <laughs> me nuts was the fact that they never make their relationships public knowledge. Maybe that's a product of them being in, you know, a, the working for the same company or something like that. But I was like, a lot of this stuff could probably be avoided by just. Maybe letting people know that you're actually a, maybe a it's a it's a Japanese thing, but like like the, my big problem with Kabakura is because they'd have these fights, and I'm like, wow, you're an asshole, and then like they'd start to make up, but he was never the one to kind of give in. I'm like, for fuck's sake, for once, be the guy that gives in. Just <laughs> just he admit did. you were wrong because you're very clearly wrong, and he, he almost did. never does, almost, almost never. never. It, the thing, the, and the, the one time that he does, it was it was very unsatisfying. I'm like, okay, that was that's barely you conceding. <laughs> I just remember the 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 scene where he like gives in and actually reads the Fujoshi manga. Oh yeah, that, yeah, but it's actually good. But, but like in the more serious, you know, moments, I'm just yeah, like, no, I'm like, sure. dude, at least say I love you or something. Fuck. Yeah, I know. Just, yeah, I feel. Mm, like, I can't yep. stand those kind of people. <laughs> But I like the other couple quite a bit more. Hirotaka was great. Narumi yeah. was great. Uh oh. Okay. Yeah, the next one is mine. Uh I finished this one quite a while ago. Um, so forgive me if I don't cover everything as well as I can, but this is last period, which actually went uh undrafted. Um this one's kinda hard to cover. It's so it starts out and we have uh this group of, of four people. We have Haru, Lisa, uh, Gajiru, and Choko. And they are part of um they're they're like adventurers, but adventurers in this world are called periods, and they're part of a uh like a branch of of like an adventurer's guild. It's like the eighth branch or whatever. Oh, there you go. Eighth arc end division. You're not gonna hear that again for a while. Um if you start <laughs> watching the show. But their um, their branch, all their money gets stolen out of their vault, and so they're driven into poverty. And rather than help them out, like the other, like the, the I don't know, the big guild organization just kind of kicks them to the curb, so they're no longer an organization. And all of their best members just kind of leave, and it's just these last four, these kind of noobs that um, that stick around to kind of help, you know, uh, get these or get this group back on its feet. Um, and essentially every episode kind of boils down to 
the guild leader for uh we'll just say branch eight. Um she uh her name's Erica, by the way. Her and and, and her aide named uh Campanella, Campanea, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> um they they uh they give them like a quest. So like, all right. Like we have a quest, and the only reason we were able to accept it was because we, you know we we undercut everybody by being dirt cheap because we can't afford to be picky at this point, and uh, so they go to the town that's having a problem. Oh, by the way, they 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 fight these things called spirals, essentially monsters, and there's you know bigger spirals, smaller spirals. Not really important because after a while they're just not really them. Or like it is, does doesn't become about the spirals at all. So they go to the town and the mayor in every city looks exactly the same <laughs> and they speak with a um how do I say this with a with a verbal tick that is uh, akin to what their uh akin to what their village specializes in. So there's one that's like a hot springs town and like when they're in trouble he's like oh boy we're in some hot water like like stupid puns like that over and over and over again <laughs> um and so this group of of four people are like all right we're gonna take the quest but before they could take the quest and this is again every time a group of three people with a little flying monkey companion this is um uh Mizaru, uh, Kikazaru, and Iwazaru, which I had to look those names up because I only know them as Wise Man because that's their group name. And they come out and they do a little thing where they kind of like do the like the Wise Man pose and like there's like smoke and all this stuff. So yeah, that's all I know them by. They come out and they're like, we'll do the job for even cheaper. And then it becomes a fight between the group of four and Wise Man over who's going to get the job. Uh, it's like, if that sounds samey, it's because it does kind of get that way. But the like where the kind of comedy for this show comes in is it's super, super referential. Um, like for example, I think it was the fourth episode. No, maybe the second or third. Um, there's a, a like a haunted mansion type episode, and the whole episode is a reference to Higurashi. Um, <laughs> there's uh like every time uh Haru and his friends fight Wise Man. Wise Man uh has this um. Uh, this girl who comes up with like a wagon and she's essentially doing gotcha pulls for them. And she always pulls a five star, but the one who does pulls for Haru and his friends always pulls like a one star or a two star. Um, so, you know, like referential stuff in terms of um, mobile games and stuff like that. So, I mean, if you've been watching anime for a while, this is actually pretty fu- a pretty funny anime in, in some points, but again, it, it gets pretty savvy and pretty silly because the person who a stole the money from the vault and b is directing wise man to mess with haru and his gang are is uh campanella she just puts on a mask and like nobody recognizes her wow so yeah and apparently at the at the very end like spoilers i guess kind of uh at, at the very end you find out that she was put up to it by the heads of of all these branch offices to strengthen the i don't know branch 8's fighting capabilities 
Um, it's very, very episodic. I mean, not a whole lot goes on in the story um, outside of like the final few. Uh, but what is there is pretty funny. If you like that, like referential kind of humor, um, give this one a watch. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, like, I'm not talking too much about it, but there's really not a whole lot to say about the show. I can go over some of my favorite points of like one of my favorite moments of the show mm-hmm. but i mean that's that's pretty much what was your uh, favorite reference probably the gotcha one the gotcha ones made me laugh uh yeah. which one was it um yeah i don't i don't remember there's just there's so many of the, like the the like the gotcha pool ones made me laugh i think the the best one was one where uh they actually come into like a ton of money and uh like Haru is like this really um like good character so he's like he still wants to work even though he's got all that money and he's he's going to save what money he had to to build up branch 8 but uh who was it it was uh Gajiru and Lisa like start because like they're so wealthy that they're they're building mansions to oppose each other and like <laughs> they're just like it, it turns into like an arms race of like how much ostentatious wealth they can have like gajiru is a big time idol fan for this like one idol girl in the in the world and so he spends most of his money gathering up all the rarest merchandise for that girl um yeah that that episode was pretty funny oh and the episode (laughs) that was that okay that there you go that there was one where haru uh starts paying money for gacha rolls Okay, and he's getting so many one stars, and like he gets burnt out. I'm like, oh, that's it was really good. Yeah, it was there, it, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I looked at it, I'm like, oh, that's pretty bad. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are there are definitely like really funny moments in this show, but I don't think I'd ever go back and watch it again. Yeah. So, uh, I'm gonna have to give it a three out of five. It was funny, but there's like no rewatch value, and and after a while, the mayor's speaking and you know ridiculous uh, verbal tics uh, got old. <laughs> it didn't take that long, really, but it was still you know pretty enjoyable, and and the references uh, hit home. So if you were a current otaku, uh, I don't know, and you're you're bored, I don't know, <laughs> watch that, I guess. <laughs> Uh, that's a ringing endorsement from me. Indeed. Uh, the next show. I don't remember if I drafted this one, but I'm pretty I sure I did. Believe you did. I believe I, you did. You think so? I don't think I, I did. Hmm. I'm pretty sure I was just watching it. Um, and decided to keep going with it because I enjoyed it. Uh, spoilers for right now. <laughs> uh, but this is uh, Katana Maidens or Toji no Miko, which. Uh, was a two core came out in winter of uh, well this year, and it follows. Oh, okay, so it's set in a world where um, Shride maidens essentially kind of um, wield swords and they fight these huge demon called um, uh, Aradama, and the the uh, Aradama are like they they range in scale. They're like giant monstrous creatures or like smaller ones. Um, they pop up uh, periodically for at first we'd like no reason no one really knows why um, 
and uh, these girls, you know, they go there. They're like these special, like religious units where um, they'll fight off the the Aradama and and the the military will just kind of like back them up. Um, but the it's, it's like twenty years since this like huge calamity had happened, and uh, the the girl or the I guess the leader uh, who had um, kind of pacified that huge calamity is now like the leader of all um of all the katana maidens the, the miko mm-hmm. and she is holding a, a like a, an annual tournament for uh these girls these miko who are in, in uh in school to you know uh become miko later and we get to it, it's a really quick tournament arc not even really tournament like a tournament episode <laughs> um in the first episode um and we get to the very final um match between Kanami who is our protagonist and he uh Hiori who is uh, another protagonist and um they square off and they like uh, real quick aside uh when they power up to fight they like get this weird like glow around them and they become like ridiculously fast um some people were put off by the show because they do 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 sorry do. uh they they do uh, incorporate um cgi with the 2d backgrounds which i'll admit was a little off putting at first but i got used to it so i mean don't let that kind of uh break your desire to watch the show it is actually pretty good uh, but yeah, so uh, Kanami and Hiori square off, and just when they're like charging at each other, Hiori charges at the um, the the leader of the Miko. Her name is uh, Yukari Origami, and tries to kill her, and she stopped. And uh, <laughs> Kanami is kind of a sword fighting nut, like <laughs> like Honoka levels of I found this one thing I want to do, and this is all I'm going to do type of thing. Um, so she's like, I'm not going to not have this final match with her. So she helps Hiyori escape from the, the elite guard who are, uh, you know, trying to now apprehend her for trying to kill Yukari. Uh, and they, they actually go into, um, into hiding for a while. Like the, a, a good portion of the first core is, uh, them running uh, and hiding from place to place, trying to to escape the the elite guards. And um, early on, like um, they're they're uh, encountered by uh, different girls who are also at the tournament. Uh, Kanami's uh, school friend Mai uh, confronts them, and, and she's convinced that you know something deeper is going on. Um, Eden and Kaoru, who are from a completely different school. Uh, eventually get in the mix uh this girl named sayaka who's like um one of those kind of like soulless doll type characters uh mm-hmm. who's who's like been bred for combat uh encounters them but she's kind of she she's kind of i don't know given i, don't know, I, I guess a soul by the, the <laughs> other girls because you know they're they tell her that she's not worthless etc etc um but yeah, so eventually these girls are all all be, kind of become like the core of this um, this kind of resistance because it's brought to light that uh, 
spoiler, spoilers, spoiler, spoilers. I cannot stress this enough. I'm going <laughs> to spoil the absolute crap out of this show. Yukari is – are you gone yet? You better be gone. Yukari <laughs> is an Aradama. She's not technically like – like I'm not saying like there was a girl or there is technically a girl named Yukari Origami uh, who is should now be a woman but she's kind of frozen like her age at 17 when she quote unquote defeated this 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 thing but she is possessed by the great Aradama that she supposedly defeated several years ago um and kanami and hiyori are both the daughters of her friends of yukari's friends who, who helped her defeat the the great Aradama. so hiyori believes that her mom was killed by yukari's you know inability to um stave off the possession whatever whatever um so that's why he already wanted to kill yukari uh and uh they all kind of find out that it's not just yukari but the her entire elite guard have been infused with some kind of aradama because they didn't want to be weak uh and they all have like different reasons for it which i mean it, they range from okay i can kind of see that to okay that's kind of stupid but <laughs> uh yeah so the elite guard you know they're all uh they're still they still have their human minds but um they have like aradama powers which you know it's bad because you're not supposed to be helping these giant demon things um and so yeah they these girls uh that i mentioned before they they form like a resistance and it turns out that uh eren and kaoru are or eren eren specifically who i think you would like logan because she's a blonde um yeah and she's a foreigner uh her her family are funding like an actual resistance and so they they help her out there they help them out uh by providing them with you know the ability to fight back and stuff like that and you find out that uh the aradama um are technically like because the 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 blades that they have to make like for these swords for these miko swords that you know give them their powers and stuff like that are based on like sacred metal question mark like this was this part was kind of confusing to me and i'd probably have to rewatch it to get it 100 but they're essential aradama are essentially the spirits of these like the blade that like go through the manufacturing process and become corrupted through human in like stuff or whatever i don't know it's <laughs> like human manufacturing and human greed or whatever and so they become these possessed monsters so technically they're not all bad but they're still going to kill everyone so yes please keep putting them down um and uh eventually like this is and this is just i'm still just in the first core uh eventually they actually do uh take out yukari um they they beat her and beat her whole uh elite guard um and there's actually a death in the wow. the, the first core i won't give away too much uh, I won't say who it is, but uh, after that, uh, like life kind of goes back to normal for the girls. They all go back to the schools. The schools and like the government are under, of course, a lot of heat because holy crap, the leader of this organization was actually one of these giant monster things. Um, uh, and yeah, I'm going to have to spoil it anyway. Spoilers, spoilers. Yukari's not dead. The 
Great Autodama was just the, the okay. So they beat her. The Great Autodama didn't die. What it did was it left her and split into three. So we get these three like they look like abyssals from Konkole, you know, like okay. white with yeah. like crazy designs. And the girls try to convince two of them because one of them is based on is like is is malice. The other one is apathy, and the third one is I don't know. I don't know what you would call that superiority. Like she thought she was above humans. Um, but of course, despite like they, they, like the girls get the, the, the two who aren't, you know, completely hostile to human life uh, on their side, just as they get killed uh, by the malice one and absorbed back into her. So now they have to fight this like damn near godlike um, final battle against the, the now like humanoid great Aradama. Um, and I mean, spoiler, spoilers, they win. So the <laughs> wow. thing the, the thing towards the end of the show that I didn't particularly care for was there's other death in like the second core that's rendered completely null and void. Which hmm. I like I was happy that character was alive again, don't get me wrong, but I was like, if you're gonna just bring her back, there's no point. Literally like and and the way they brought her back was essentially like her like friend calls out to her and she decides to not be dead anymore. So, I mean, it's not that simplistic, but it, it felt that simplistic. So yeah, I mean, don't, don't go into this one expecting huge amounts of, well, I mean, there is, there is quite a bit of drama, but like, because of that, I would say not terribly impactful drama and not all the time, but it is, really intriguing to watch it because it is you know like each episode you're like trying to uncover a little bit more of the mystery and oh this is at least the first core the first core really got me with that with the the whole the girls on the run and every little bit like figuring out um you know who was um gonna help the girls and who was against them and and finding out that the elite guard were actually you know part of this and which uh school uh, presidents were aware of the situation and which ones weren't and which ones were like 100% all in yes I'll, like I will absolutely serve the great Aradama um, <sighs> like yeah it, it was it was a lot of intrigue that I wasn't expecting I was honestly expecting just kind of like a nonsensical sword girl show like going into this so I was uh, pretty pleasantly surprised by what I got from uh, Toji no Miko. Um, it's 24 episodes, so uh, if you got the attention span and that sounds uh, interesting to you, uh, definitely give it a shot and and please don't let the the CGI combat uh, put you off. With that said, uh, I'm going to give Toji no Miko or Katana Maidens a 4 out of 5. Nice. Not bad at all, but Make your death a little bit more impactful. If you're going to kill somebody <laughs> off, they need to stay dead. Impactful death. Impactful death. Which is not the name of this next show. No, the name of this next show is one that was drafted by no one. Um, Unfortunate. I, I know. Uh, but it's one that I know Carlos and I both watched. And that is Comic Girls. Yay. Which is a truly wonderful slice of life comedy anime about... Uh, these girls who draw manga 
professionally while still in high school. I mean, two uh, of them technically do. That's true. Well, I mean, no, they all I, do. Yeah, spoilers. By the end, they all do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it centers around a <laughs> very small pink-haired girl named Moita Karako, who goes by Kaus. Um, and she uh, gets sent to this dorm for uh, manga creators, uh, female manga creators, by her editor, I think, is who recommends she goes there. To kind of, you know, yeah. put her in, in an environment where they're, you know, producing manga and being creative and stuff like that to kind of help get her over the hump that she's, you know, or the, the rut she's been in. Because um, she, I don't know, like, did she get one, like a one shot serialized before and then she just couldn't no, do it? I think maybe she's like... She got like she must have gotten like an award or something like that, and like you know, company took notice note of her because, from what it sounds like, she didn't have anything going in. Yeah, like like she hadn't had anything serialized. So, I mean, she either won an award or I don't know, just got really lucky, and like a publisher was like, "We're gonna take a shot on you." So you have this many, this many uh, attempts to get a serialized manga. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyways, her, the, the editor that she reports to sends her to this dorm and uh, we get to meet, meet these other girls who uh, two of them are professionally doing manga. There's Ruki, who is a uh, smut mangaka. A, oh, uh, my favorite character. The favorite, yeah, the best. Yeah, she, she I think ultimately she was my favorite character as well. Um, I really, really loved uh, her personality and. Uh, she was visually very pretty as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Subasa, who is kind of like the the cool girl type, a shonen you know, writer the, too. Yeah, shonen writers, and you know, there's a lot that goes into that as well. Um, being a girl writing shonen, apparently, and then the fourth, not final, but the fourth main girl at the start, uh, this bubbly blonde girl Koyumi. Who <laughs> instantly stole my heart, though Ruki wanted it in the end. Um, and yeah, we kind of get like these stories as these girls draw their manga and kind of like work through the the struggles of being a mangaka um, and being a female mangaka and kind of you know the self doubt that creeps in and that kind of stuff. Um, it's hard to talk about slice of life anime like this. Uh, I think I mean, there, 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 there is like an overarching narrative because, like, like we said, uh, it's true. Kaduko, or I'm just gonna call her Kaos. Kaos. Yeah, yeah that's Kaos what she's called. is um is the uh trying to get like a manga serialized. So like through everything, like the main point is she's trying to get her story out there and like learn from her, uh, her elders and like yep. Koyume. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, I'm Koy- going to say peers, not elders. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, eh. uh, Ruki's, same, Ruki's yeah. older than her, I think. Mm, I mean, maybe age wise, but not year wise. Um, 
but uh, Koyume is trying to to learn to draw shoujo manga, but she can't draw men. So, like, <laughs> all her men come out weird. So, yeah, th- there are definitely sort like, you know, Ruki wants to, um, like, I-, I loved her episode because yeah. she actually got a little bit. Of, well, they all kind of got closure in the end, but she definitely got some, um, being that she was a smut writer and went by like some kind of weird pen name like Big Boob <laughs> yeah. Sensei or something like that. Yeah, oh. Big Boob Sumiko or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to her editor. <laughs> yeah, and you know, she's does not have no. a she's large chest. Endowed. Yeah. So, what was the uh the setting for this show? Did they spend a lot of the time in school or were they at their each other's homes most of the time? They lived since in they a, are high school. They lived in a dorm. Yeah, it was so. mostly at the dorm. There was some at Sometimes spent at school. Um, there were a few episodes which were pretty cool, kind of like informative episodes. Like there was one where they went to a supply store and they kind of cool. explained like all the stuff that, you know, goes into making a manga and how they actually do like uh, the effects in the background and, you know, the inking and stuff like that, the screen tones, uh, which was yeah. a lot of cool. But yeah, most of the time is spent in the dorm, kind of okay. uh, in their rooms working together. Um, though I like a close third in characters for me, I absolutely adored their teacher. Um, she, <laughs> oh, the teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I was like the dorm mother. No, yeah, no, I know. She, she was good, but no, the teacher who is like a huge fan of, uh, Subasa, uh, unknowingly, I forget what Subasa's pen name was. Um, they do, but, they do like. She eventually like figures out who she is mm-hmm. and and uh, and is still like a huge fan. Uh, I remember like like towards the end, like there's a an episode where she finds like a notebook or something like that with uh, with sketches of yeah, Subasa's next one. And yeah, she doesn't want to give it up because she wants it as a fan. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and she gets she's cute when she's drunk and. She cosplays. <laughs> I think uh, yeah, that was, was a, a lot of fun. That was a fun episode as well because uh, we get we get uh, the knowledge um, a little later in the season that um, the teacher, the dorm mother, and Kaos's uh, editor, editor yeah. were all in this dorm as young girls as well, trying to make it as manga manga uh, creators. But you know they didn't make it. I mean, the editor made it into the manga sphere, but mm-hmm. uh, the other ones like you know decided to go different ways. So. It was kind of uh, cool to see that they were still, you know, interested in it despite, you know, having to give up on it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of really good kind of like poignant moments about, uh, you know, hard work and just finding what you love to do and sticking with what you love to do. And, you know, maybe it won't work out in the end, but you got to make the most of the, the time you spend doing things you're doing in the present. And stuff yeah. like that. So. For a while there, I honestly thought that they were like chaos wasn't going to make it. Yeah, because for it's like her, like I don't know how do you say it, like block or inability to to make a appealing manga was like it went on for a long time, mm-hmm. damn near yeah. the whole run of the show. Yeah, I think like what episode ten or maybe it was eleven where she like finally gets the one shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like a result of her hard work and the, the help of all of her friends that she's made at this dorm. And then, yeah, the kind of like extreme writer's block that she uh, goes into after finding out that 
they won a second one shot from her um and kind of her struggle to you know commit to doing this difficult task despite all of her friends leaving the dorm um before she did yeah, yeah it, was, right. it was it was really heartwarming to kind of like see her persevere through uh those struggles and to come out triumphant but yeah i i for a while there i thought she was gonna fail as well <laughs> which i think would have been fine it would have been an interesting um interesting way to to end the show mm-hmm. but i'm i'm happy that she found the success um and the end too it was like all right they all left for like the spring or something like that i was very confused because i thought they were like going away for good well see that's what they made it seem like but then they were like yeah, yeah we're just we're going away for like i don't know spring break or or yeah, whatever or break summer break or whatever and, and yeah. i'm like okay why is everyone so depressed and then but then they just they leave the house and they go to a completely different house because no they remodeled the house that's oh is what that what that was? that was okay yeah they remodeled it into like a more modern apartment complex so yeah, I was like, "Wow!" I mean, it sucks that we completely missed the horror author too. <laughs> the horror author was great for comedy. Oh yeah, yeah, for a uh, senpai. Yeah, the the only actual senpai in the show. Yeah, uh, yeah, her <laughs> love of scaring people, but like she's like a super cute and adorable girl that loves to just kind of be near people but she's always alone because she always scares everyone away with her horror manga and all of her props and stuff like that (laughs) yeah she was fun um it like honestly there's not a bad thing that i could say about the show it looked phenomenal it was animated so well Uh, there was so much character movement i never felt like i was watching still shots at all yeah which was impressive the the characters i mean they all kind of had their shtick but they felt they felt i mean aside from aside from subasa i'll say they all felt pretty real subasa felt like a character (laughs) like just like a character of just like shonen fans but Um, man her her kind of like episode yeah that one probably hit me the hardest um just being able to kind of connect with her in that way because she's a you know a female mangaka who's drawing shonen anime and no one you know who reads her stuff knows that she's actually a girl except for the teacher and she's afraid to actually show herself uh in public because she's afraid that her being a girl will discredit her you know manga in the eyes of the uh the public so um like you know Ruki was really kind of like uptight and scared of you know doing this meet and greet because she was you know she's a flat chested girl with a with pet name that implies big boobs but Subas was just like i'm just so incredibly jealous that you can actually go meet your fans because i just don't have the confidence to uh <laughs> also to do that. one little thing i and i know it's because of the type of anime it is but rookie's fan base being like a hundred percent female yeah. no 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 <laughs> i'd be in that audience too let's be Me real yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just kind of like a weird little side note there yeah yeah um, um the studio nexus uh hasn't done too much i know we talked about this i think when you drafted the show. You drafted this one, right? No, no, no one drafted, no one drafted it. it. Oh, no one drafted it. first impressions this. thing, yeah. I feel like we discussed the Studio Nexus at some point, and they haven't done very much, but uh, 
I'm interested to hear that the animation was as good as it was. Yeah, I was uh, I was very very impressed uh, with what they yeah, did. Have to be a studio to keep an eye out for in the future. Yeah, they've done uh, a couple other shows that I really really enjoy. Walk of a Girl, which is one of my favorite shorts, and then um, Chivalry of a Failed Knight, uh, which is a a really good kind of etchy uh, romance anime. Etchy romance combat anime, I guess I would say. Yeah, I didn't really recognize it with the Japanese name, but yeah, Shibori yeah. Feld Knight, I remember that being. Um, so score wise, like I said, you know, personally, there's like zero things that I have a problem with in the show. Um, and I really, really appreciate well done slice of life. Um, so I'm going to give this one a five out of five. Wow. Okay. Uh, 4.5 for me. <laughs> It was really good, but I mean, there were some parts where I was like, like I said, Subasa. As as much as I connected with her on that stuff, the rest of the time she was just over the top, and she was. Um, she was kind of like the comic relief, I think, in a lot of instances. Sometimes they do get a little sticky. Um, the horror girl, when that's like ninety percent of your your thing, but other than that, I can't say a whole lot else about bad about it. So four point five for me. Right on. Sounds like a good one. Yeah, definitely. If you like Slice of Life, you're going to love this one. This next one is yours, Carlos. Oh, you're right. Sorry. I no, got no mixed up. Uh, <laughs> so the next show is one that uh, I didn't draft initially, but I ended up with because one of my shows got uh, not picked up. Got not picked up. Well done, me. Um, <laughs> this show is uh, Megalobox. It's a 13-episode anime about boxing in the future i don't know so it's like a dis in a dystopian uh type of world done by tms entertainment slow it down um who did real life uh orange um skilled teaser chikagu-san list goes on um this show like i said it takes place in kind of like a i don't know it's kind of hard to nail down it looked in some places, post-apocalyptic, or maybe just like, and not not post-apocalyptic, like maybe like dystopian, because there was a very clear line between the haves and the have-nots. Um, and we start out with the have-nots. Uh, our main character, uh, his name starting out is uh, Junk Dog. He doesn't really even have a name. Uh, he's a boxer in like the like kind of like the slum boxing arena. Uh, and the boxing they they do is called Megalobox, where they have this kind of harness, like almost, yeah, like a harness type thing, so that their punches like do more, and they can block with the harness and stuff like that. So essentially, it's just more brutal boxing. Um, <laughs> and he works in this realm with his uh, his manager uh, Nanbu, and they're they're hustlers. Not by choice. They work for a gangster named Fujimaki, and Fujimaki always has Junk Dog take the fall. So he's always like the loser in these fights. Um, And he's sick of it because he wants to be a boxer. He loves boxing. Um, And one day, uh, he's riding his bike in the, I guess, have side of town, and he almost runs headlong into the head of the uh, Megalobox um, kind of tournament or I'm sorry uh, yeah like the Megalobox I don't know 
league organization. She was like, uh, wasn't she the one that developed the actual, um, like the Megalobox equipment or something? She developed a, a type, um, a type of, of equipment. She, she heads up this, um, uh, this league called Megalonia, which is like this huge tournament, which apparently happens all the time. But yeah, she, she developed her company develops, um, like the equipment that they use for megaloboxing, but she developed a like um how do you say this like a experimental type that uh the champion of the the like megalobox league his name is yuri uses and it's essentially like it's grafted into his skin like it is a part of his body this this uh boxing apparatus thing um and like it's so good that like she's trying to get military contracts on this equipment uh and a junk dog runs into or almost runs into them and challenges Yuri to a fight. Yuri goes to the slums uh, to fight him and absolutely whoops his ass. And uh, what do you call it? Junk dog. The next fight he has, um, he doesn't throw the fight like he's supposed to. He knocks the guy out, which pisses you know Fujimaki off enough to threaten Nanbu in his life. And Nanbu says. Like in like a last gamble for his life is like, look, if you get us a fake ID for, you know, this guy, uh, and get hit we like get him into the pro boxing league, I guarantee you we win Megalonia and we'll get you the money that, you know, we we lost you tonight. Um and Fujimaki agrees, they get him a fake ID, and from uh, here on out his name is Joe, because that's what he names himself. Um, and then from like from this point, like they're doing, they actually go into the city itself. Uh, they form a they form a team called Team Nowhere, which I thought was uh, pretty cool because like they they actually train under a bridge, like under an overpass. There's like they set up a bridge under this overpass, and or just sorry, they set up a ring under this overpass, and like he trains under it, so it's kind of like this essentially like a slum gym. Um, and Nambu is trying to make a name for Joe. So his first fight, he makes him fight without the, uh, the gear, uh, the apparatus, they're called gears. He makes him fight without a gear. And so his boxing name then becomes gearless Joe. So he fights like a regular boxer against these dudes who are throwing punches that like hit way, way harder. Um, and like it's not it, it really isn't episode to episode fights it's like little tiny arcs um he fights i mean for, at first he fights uh, a guy who fights dirty uh, his second fight is a fight with a man who um was a veteran like apparently this world is at war of this country that they're in and he's a veteran of the war and like is, was crippled by the war um and he was nambu's former like boxing apprentice um and he was you know pissed that nambu moved on after he had you know officially died or unofficially died because the military claimed he was dead so like there was like that that whole like little arc there was an arc where joe fights uh yukiko's uh, brother yukiko again the the head of the uh megalobox league thing um because he wants to uh 
oust her as the head of the company. He thinks that his experimental gear is like, you know, the better experimental gear. Um, and Joe beats him. And then eventually you get into Megalonia itself. The it's it's <laughs> it's crazy to me that like Megalonia is essentially just a final four. There's really only four fighters. Uh yeah. Joe fights this gigantic American dude uh and wins and uh Yuri fights um a Spanish guy and wins. Uh and then Yuri wanting to be on the same side as Joe. This is towards the end of the anime. Yuri wanting to be on the same side as Joe, he has the experimental gear removed from his body, which again, it's grafted onto his body, like into the bones, into the nervous system, like everything. Um, But he gets it removed from himself, gives himself enough time to recuperate, and they fight like a proper boxing match at the finals of Megalonia. Um, the thing I loved about the show, Ed, spoiler, spoiler, is for the love of God, go watch this movie or watch watch this show. Sorry, movie. What am I talking <laughs> about? Go watch the show. Come back, like pause it and you know, binge the show. Come back and, and, and listen to what I'm saying right here. The thing I loved about the show, uh, aside from – okay, the, one of the things I loved about the show, I loved quite a bit. But one of the things I loved about the show was how it ended. They don't give you the winner until the very – very holy crap after the credits end um like they they have like the last uh bit of the fight they cut to a year later where uh the the team nowhere gym is actually in a proper building now um uh what do you call it the the community a community has kind of grown around uh joe and, and nambu and uh, uh sorry i completely glossed over the fact that they eventually pick up this like little slum kid his name is Sachio um and he becomes kind of like their their helper trainer kind of deal um so like yeah this community uh in this kind of poorer side of town uh forms around uh their their gym and stuff like that so they're all living pretty happy and healthy lives and stuff like that and Joe it doesn't really say if he's still boxing it doesn't really appear that he he is but him and Yuri are now you know, fairly good friends uh, after their little encounter because, uh, like, they're still rivals and, you know, they probably still want to box each other. But, you know, after that, they're homies now or whatever. But, yeah, at the very end, they they give you uh, his, his victory count and stuff like that and that he was the winner of Megalonia. Uh, Joe, that is. That's cool. That's a cool reveal. I, yeah. I like. I love the way they did it because I was like, until the end, I'm like, if they don't tell me, I'm going to be mad. And the way they told, they they tell you, I thought it was pretty cool. It was like a stat sheet almost. Um, but yeah. Uh, aside from that, the music in this show is out fucking standing. It is so good. <laughs> um, the OP is nothing like the the. Uh, I should say the music, like lyrics and 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 all that stuff. Um, for the OP isn't like anything to write home about really it kind of feels like 80 rock 80s rockish but the visuals combined with that type of music is so good it's it kind of gets you pumped up for the show the ed like i had to uh what do you call it as soon as i was done um like with the first I don't know, first or second episode whenever the ed first comes in i had to look up this artist her name is uh uh it's hard to say kaka Te Koyo, 
Takakatekayoi. Yeah, I'm really, it's really hard to say her name. I'm sorry, that, I'm sorry, that's the title. Um, Nakamura Emi. Yeah, there you go. Uh, she has so much good fucking music. And this song is so, so good. Like, the whole, you need the whole version. Like, the ED is great by itself, but yeah, this this ED was great. Uh, the OST was great. And the thing is, is this this show was was made, from what I can tell, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Ashita no Jo, uh, the boxing anime from the early 70s, um, I believe. And um, because of that, they did the whole show in this kind of old style, this old anime style, but with like a new polish, like, you know, a, a 2018 polish. So it looks so fucking good. Like, yeah, it looks really, really good. The fighting in it <laughs> looks good. Like the, uh, just the, when they're talking looks uh, pretty damn good. The dramatic moments are driven home that much more because like, it's like every part of the show, it feels like it was hand drawn. And it feels like it was hand-drawn with a lot of detail. And I know it wasn't. There's no way it was. I don't know, maybe. But, um, yeah, I can't sing this show's phrase enough. This is definitely my show of the season. Um, so, and this comes with the huge caveat that I'm not much of a sports anime fan. I, I dig most of the ones I've seen. But this one is by far and away my favorite so far. Um, so, I'm going to give... Uh, I almost said a Shita no Joe. I'm going to give Megalobox <laughs> a five out of five. This is definitely the best show I saw this season. Wow. Yeah, I watched the first four episodes and it was a five for me throughout those first four. And um, unfortunately, it's just a casualty of not having time to, to watch it. But uh, I hope I can revisit it. It sounds I, like it continued to be I amazing. I'm sorry I spoiled it for you. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, that's no, fine. Um. Definitely, uh, definitely sounds good though. Two fives in a row. It's a good season. Okay, so this next one is mine. Um, I want to say this was my number one pick from uh, the spring season, and that is Tada Never Falls in Love, or Tadakun Wakoi Wo Shinai. Um. Which is an anime done by Doga Kobo, I believe, is the studio um, of uh, Monthly Girls Nozaki Kun, Fame, uh, who did New Game, Plastic Memories. And I know a lot of people were very kind of worried um, about the Monthly Girls Nozaki Kun link because it is very much a similar style of show. I would say Tada Kun is definitely more heavy on the romance. Um, compared to uh, Monthly Girls and Saki-kun, which was heavy on the comedy. Um, but this is the story of a guy named Mitsuyoshi Tada who encounters a, a foreign girl named uh, Teresa Wagner at a park um, when he's out to kind of uh, take some photos of this, this pretty park. And she's <laughs> apparently out sightseeing um, her first day in Japan, uh, to, and she's going to all these different spots that, um, kind of showcase her favorite Japanese, um, TV show, Rainbow Shogun. <laughs> so she's, <laughs> she's out like looking at all these spots and he, um, runs into her and kind of like 
gives her directions, makes sure she doesn't commit any crimes because she's about to go run down like a drainage ditch or something like that uh, because it was in the show. Um, and they kind of part ways, but uh, it starts raining and they kind of reconnect under this little like shrine thing. And he decides to bring her back to her uh, to his grandfather's coffee shop because she's not w- sure where her traveling companion is and she's not sure where she needs to go. So might as well stay out of the rain um, and get warm. Uh, it turns out that she's going to be living in the apartment complex next door with her um, a friend uh, Alec or Alex. I think it's like Alexandra something or another they're transfer students from a place called larzenberg uh very european sounding uh yeah alexandra marguerite did you look that place up is that a place um i don't know let me uh, i mean not let right me now. do that real quick okay <laughs> um so from there it you know it's kind of like goes into normal uh kind of romance with a little bit of comedy. They, you know, transfer into Tata's school. Um, and uh, while touring the, the school and the clubs and everything after school, uh, they come across the club that Tata is a part of, which is the photography club, uh, which uh, hosts a, you know, quite the cast of characters. There's uh, Ijuin Kaoru, who is uh Tata's best friend, who is a very kind of a uh, hmm, bubbly and bright personality, who is very kind of like focused on himself. Um, all of the photos that he takes are selfies, um, and he makes sure that he's like the uh, the spotlight in all of his uh, photos. There is their uh, like third year president uh, Hajime Sugimoto, who goes by Pin Senpai who is a huge pervert um, and is obsessed with nudes um, and is obsessed with this uh, like gravier idol named Hina, uh, who I like, I do not know how he does not realize this, but that is his kind of childhood friend. And also in the club, uh, Hinako Hasegawa, who, <laughs> It just wears glasses, and apparently he can't tell that it's this idol that he idolizes. Uh, real quick, uh, I just yeah. looked it up on my anime list, and it says she's from Luxembourg, which is a small country in Europe. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I Another place said it was Luxembourg. I mean, Luxembourg sounds right as well. Um, that's weird that they would have different places. I'm not sure where I looked that up. Maybe maybe it was on High Dive where I saw that. Maybe they got that wrong. Luxembourg sounds right. It's, you know, it's that kind of like general uh, middle European kind of feel. She's blonde, so Luxembourg makes a lot of sense. Um, but, so yeah, they decide to go ahead and join this uh, photography club um, to kind of, you know, just have a lot of fun and make the most of their... Uh, year that they're spending here from abroad um they get up to a lot of kind of hijinks there's like a a photo hide and seek slash tag game that they play uh which was a lot of fun to watch um and they do you know just 
kind of like hang out at the coffee shop and just get to know each other and have fun and stuff. Um, and you can kind of tell that Tata kind of is interested in like vaguely tell that he's interested in, in Teresa. Like she certainly got his attention and Teresa seems to have a thing for Tata as well. Um, but then the twist kind of arrives um, in, I think, episode six, where a beautiful blonde man named Charles arrives and we find out that um, Teresa is the princess of the European country of Luxembourg or whatever. Um, yeah, I see Larsenburg in a couple different places. It's very strange. They need to get that figured out. Um, but yeah, she's the princess of this country and she is actually um, engaged to Charles through an arranged marriage from the country uh, that she hails from. And so that kind of, uh, you know, we get to kind of find this out, but no one else knows what's going on really. Um, and we kind of find out that uh, Alec, the the like aide slash best friend of Teresa, has a thing for Charles as well. Um, so he's like visiting uh, on this summer vacation or whatever that he's got going on uh, from uh, his country, and they decide to kind of do a bunch of like school activities while he's there. So he kind of joins them for those, and they decide to go to a or go on a like overnight trip up to uh, the mountain somewhere to do um, some photography of stars and stuff like that. And this was like really where the romance aspect of the show kind of like kicked off. Um, at least for me, uh, there was a very kind of poignant scene where everyone's kind of sleeping, getting a little uh, shut eye before the stars really come out. And Tata and Teresa are kind of sitting there uh, talking about their past and how they both from a young age kind of realized that they had to grow up quick. Um, I think I forgot to mention about Tata. Um, he, his parents uh, died when he was fairly young. Um, I think he was like seven. So him and his sister kind of uh, had to live with their grandpa at the, the coffee shop and um, he felt like he needed to kind of, uh, make up for being kind of a bratty kid because the, his final memory with his parents was that he was mad that they were going on this trip and, uh, he did not say goodbye to them. So he had a, a lot of regrets for that. And, uh, Teresa kind of shares that she hurt. Uh, she doesn't say who she hurt, but they kind of show in like a flashback flashback that the she hurt the uh, the feelings of uh, Alec for, uh, at a young age because um, she didn't necessarily. It's not that she didn't value her life, but she was not uh, cognizant of the feelings of those around her and kind of did what she wanted, and so she, you know, jumped into this river to get this thing and almost you know, drowned and stuff like that. And it really like shook Alec to her core. And she, uh, Teresa realized that she needed to, you know, maybe think about how others feel about that kind of stuff. Um, and, 
this was like the also the first moment where I was like, man, Todd is a really cool dude. Um, there, <laughs> there was one line here that I uh, jotted down in my notes that, you know, maybe doesn't sound super cool to anyone. But uh, the line is, uh, you should just try not to repeat the same mistake, shouldn't you? I think that's what it means to regret. And then the the context of the scene and everything, I was just like, damn, dude. That was a smooth line. And like instantly you see like Teresa kind of like look at him kind of like in shock as they're both kind of sitting there thinking about their regrets. And she like swoons and I swooned. And um, it was really cool to see like the moment where you can tell that she like, you know, fully falls in love with him. And this is that moment. Um it's not a moment nice. that I really see a lot in anime, at least not done well. But I was like, yeah, okay, here it is. This is the part where she's like 100% into him and she realizes it. Um, but that, you know, causes a problem because she is engaged to Charles and, you know, the she has obligations to her country and stuff like that. So... Um, they kind of, you know, they get back from the school trip and they're kind of just doing school things. Um, and then, uh, Teresa invites, uh, Tata on the kind of like a date to this, uh, rainbow Shogun exhibit that was going on in the Tokyo tower. And they kind of go and do that and have a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, another thing about Todd is that he has an extreme fear of heights, um, which is kind of like a big thing uh, for later on in the show. But they have like a really good time. And at the end of the date, when they're saying goodbye to each other, Tata, you know, almost says that he likes her, but decides not to. And it ends up that Teresa and Alec go back to their country without saying goodbye to anyone. The next day, um, and we come to find out that the reason that that happened was because uh, Teresa told Alec that she was in love with Tata, but that she had an obligation to her country to, you know, fulfill her duty as the the princess. And that she was committed to marrying Charles, and but she just had to run away uh, from the feelings that she had developed uh, in her time here. So it was sad. Um, I was definitely bummed out. And Wait, was you know, that the ending? No, that's not the ending. Oh, <laughs> Don't okay. Worry. You scared me for a minute there. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of time actually passes. A lot of time being like months of time. And you can like tell that this definitely affected Tata. Um, Ijuin, his best friend, you know, comments that he's not taking photos anymore. He's not using his camera much. Um, and like he taught it is just kind of like retracting, you know, emotionally just going into his, his shell and, uh, like Ejuin kind of like gives him a kick in the butt and, uh, tells him to, you know, follow his heart and go find Teresa and at least, you know, tell her that you know he he loves her and 
notes so he doesn't have to live with that, you know, the regret of not being able to actually tell her what he wants to tell her. Um, and uh, <clears throat> it turns out that uh, Todd's grandfather is uh, acquainted with a the like caretaker of uh, of Teresa at the uh, the mansion where she lives uh, in Luxembourg. Um, they were old friends who ran the coffee shop together. Um, and so lucky for Tata, um, his grandfather knows where he can find her. So Tata still doesn't know that she's a princess. Um, no one does except for the grandfather and, you know, uh, Alec and Teresa and Charles. So Tata, you know, decides to get over his fear of, of heights and flying flies over to Luxembourg and gets manages to get into the mansion through the connection and finds out that Teresa is a princess. And that's kind of like, and that she also has to marry Charles. And that's like, (laughs) he's already down and he gets like another shot in the gut. Yeah. Poor guys. Yeah. Suffering. Yeah. It was kind of, (laughs) it was, it was brutal. And it was like, it was super effective the way that they kind of did the, the storytelling around this because, you know, he leaves from that meeting, not being able to say what he wants to say. And, you know, he's shocked and sad and stuff like that. And, uh, Ejuin, his friend (laughs) tailed him all the way to Luxembourg without telling Tata. And uh, they kind of got separated as he was tailing him. Uh, and Ejuin finally meets back up with him and he, you know, sees Tata actually crying, which was something that Tata hasn't done mm. ever mm-hmm. in his life. He didn't do it when his parents died. Um, he was always, you know, the calm, cool and collected person. To, so to, to see Tata in this kind of state was like a shock to him. And um, stuff like just he couldn't believe, you know, that Teresa was a princess either and stuff like that. Um, But as Tata was leaving the mansion after the talk, um, the caretaker whose name I can't remember um, off the top of my head. And I don't see it in the the list of uh, characters. She slips him an invite to a party that's the following night. Um, you know, that's like a, just in case, cause she can clearly tell that he's devastated, uh, and that maybe he didn't get to say everything that he wanted to say. And, uh, it was like a, kind of a, a favor between old friends. Um, and so like Todd is pretty, you know, devastated at this point and is ready to just kind of go home. But Ejuin kind of like gives him another kick in the butt. And like t- tells him that he's going to regret not being able to say what he wants to say if he doesn't go back and tell her how he feels and kind of like threatens to throw this, uh, this invite away if he doesn't say anything, like say that he actually wants to go talk to Teresa again. Um, and he, the wind blows the invite away into a river that they're standing over. And it's like this chase sequence where he has to, Tata has to get the invite before it goes into the sewage grate. Uh, and so, you know, it 
his reaction to seeing this invite kind of fly away and chasing it so desperately, you know, betrays his cool demeanor and shows that he actually does want to go talk to her. So he gets all spruced up and goes to the party and he is able to properly convey his feelings to her and she reciprocates uh, the feelings as well which is kind of devastating for her because she still is like, yes, I love you, but I have this engagement and I have this, uh, this, uh, duty to my country to follow through. So I can't be with you. And it's like, Oh no, (laughs) I just want them to be happy. I want them to be together, be together. Um, but, Kind of like a cool thing that they do is Charles, who is, you know, the one engaged uh, to Teresa. He's a a little bit older. Uh, I would say probably like five or six years older. Um, And he like it's clear that he knows how Teresa feels um, and how Tata feels. And while he truly does uh, care for Teresa and love her, he realizes that. Uh, if she marries him, she's just going to end up being a sad, sad woman in the future. Um, so he decides to break off the engagement. Um, Tata leaves the party not knowing that he's going to do this. So he, you know, he kind of, he was able to say what he wanted to say. He leaves the the, uh, the mansion uh, with no... I guess no ill will and no, I don't know how to say it. Like regrets relieved, I guess. Yeah. Um, and goes back to Japan, never expecting to see Teresa again. Uh, but they, they round out the show. They end the show by him being in the park where it all began. Um, and she appears next to him with an umbrella and he's like shocked to see her. And, uh, she's, you know, pops the line, like, uh, I'm back and I'm never going to leave you again. And then they hug and kiss and it was great. So that was me just rambling for, you know, I feel like like without even watching the show, I, uh, I, I actually am happy to hear them together. (laughs) (laughs) Listening to your description. So yeah, that, that, that sounds really like a really effective, uh, and, and really satisfying, um, kind of certainly ending but just the entire thing i don't know yeah it was it was very very well done um i like you know i'm a sucker for a good romance and this one uh delivered in in every way um the characters were fantastic the uh the relationships between the characters were fantastic Um, i just kind of like that it's a that there's a foreign character involved in the romance that's different mm-hmm. I, I can't think of another romance anime that i've seen that wasn't just two japanese characters uh uh mm. so that's that's pretty neat yeah i mean certainly sometimes you'll see them in different settings where they're not necessarily japanese For sure. but they have an actual you know modern day romance story between a japanese person and a foreign you know european that that's that's interesting yeah it, it was really cool to see and it was kind of you know it's it was fun to see, you know that 
<laughs> the reason that Teresa decides to go to Japan for this year of uh, <laughs> exchange is purely because of this Rainbow Shogun show that <laughs> she grew to love as a child because her caretaker was Japanese and introduced her to it. <laughs> um, there's a lot of, yeah, just like good uh, comedic moments to kind of balance out the the heavier uh, kind of like drama and romance. Um, there are characters I haven't even mentioned yet. Like Yui, his sister has a thing for another member of the, uh, the photo club, but it's kind of like a, a one-sided love. Uh, the episode that they kind of go through that was heartbreaking uh, to kind of see her have to deal with, you know, this, she clearly likes this guy, uh, but he likes someone else. Um, and to go through that kind of stuff. So the, the cast was just fantastic. Uh, and it looked incredible. The, the The use of color in the show is. It's just it's beautiful. Um, and they like they use every opportunity that they can to uh, throw color into a scene. Um, it helps when you have a, a recurring uh fictional tv show called rainbow shogun <laughs> did you get to see any rainbow shogun <laughs> they show they show some clips every now and then <laughs> it's the stupidest thing in the world um he's uh you know like this samurai guy or whatever in the uh i don't know what era it would be in japan but he's like every time he like fights a bad guy he like you know gets him down or whatever and he's like name a color of the rainbow and (laughs) they'll either say like a color of the rainbow or nothing or you know something wrong and he's like the color of rainbow is rainbow and then he'll kill him oh god yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah it's just fantastic uh I don't know. Is there any stuff you guys would like to hear more about? I think if you uh, took us through the whole anime, <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sounds. It sounds like quite. It sounds like a good journey. In fact, even after hearing kind of your your walkthrough, I actually I, this this is one that I definitely am really interested in. Yeah, um, it. I mean, I covered a, a lot of like kind of the the main points of the anime, but mm-hmm. there's so much more. Um. Yeah, just to cover. experience it is a is a mm-hmm. different and and it sounds like something that would be absolutely enjoyable. Yeah, if, so if you're a fan of romance, then I this one is a a must watch. Um, <laughs> it's like not often that I finish an anime, um, and enjoy it so much that I feel like I don't want to say depressed, but I'm just like I I went into a funk for a day after watching. The uh, finale oh, of this yeah, anime. Yeah, that's the um what do they call that? The uh show low. Show low. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of that. <laughs> sounds uh, sounds but, like you're saying yeah. cholo. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, there was a commercial they read or something at one point where they're like the something about how you handle your show low after you're done oh. binging your favorite show. Yeah. So yeah. that usually happens to me after like super like good shows, but that good shows that end on like super depressing notes like good shows that end on high notes i'm usually like okay that was good i'm happy yeah <laughs> it's usually like and I was, something that's sad that makes me like fuck why did I, why did i finish that <laughs> yeah i was definitely very very happy coming out of this one but i i think like the realization that i wasn't going to get more um 
was yeah. was like no but at the same more. time it's a nice it sounds like a nice open and shut you know story you know like, yes you, yeah though like there's there's still some stuff that they don't really kind of uh explain like yes charles breaks off the engagement and um i kind of hope him and alec get together because alec had a thing for him um yes. and they were seen kind of together at the end so i hope they do get together uh but they don't like Teresa comes back to japan but they don't establish for how long or what her future holds mm-hmm. um in terms of you know being a princess of this country well it sounds like you like need that. to find some uh, some dojins then for <laughs> sure. i'm gonna hold out for a second <laughs> no no you don't want to do that you might accidentally <laughs> stumble on one you do not want to see they don't always uh, have tags but <laughs> that's true no i know um yeah, uh, this truly a fantastic, fantastic uh, romance that if you are a fan of romance, you should absolutely watch. And it was an easy five out of five for me. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, I'm happy to hear that uh, there was a solid romance this season. Um, and when I'm in the mood for a romance, this sounds like it's going to be at the top of my list for something to check out. Yes, it's on High Dive, uh, which is kind of a bummer in some ways because they don't have a lot of apps yet um but i do not have high dive so maybe i'll wait until someone grabs it that it's a sentai show so i'm sure they'll release it soon or yeah yeah, release it at some point nice cool man well i'm glad you enjoyed that one that that sounds right up your alley Uh, uh, as you're describing it i'm like this is a five for logan yeah (laughs) 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 um cool uh well, that brings us to our last show. And um, was this the first show I drafted this season? I think so. Um, yeah, I no, no, was... it wasn't. No, it was the final show you drafted, I think. Was it the final one? Because I um, think Steinsgate was your number one. Ah, uh, that's right. Steinsgate, yeah. Which we, uh, well, you'll have to wait until next season to hear my review on that. <laughs> um, which is still very up in the air. So we'll have to see what happens with that one. But uh, Sword Art Online, Alternative Gun Gale Online. Um, I think I misplaced the colon in that. In that, Wait, did yeah. you really want to Sword say the colon? Alternative, Gungale Online is how I should have said it. But um, it's a Sword Art Online story, but it is a very different Sword Art Online story because we don't have any of our main characters. Uh, totally new cast. It is, uh, I guess, as you could probably tell from the title, the alternative in the title probably gives that away. But um, we're back in Gungale Online, and this show really throws us right back into it actually the first episode you're smack in the middle of uh the bullet of bullets tournament um in uh with some new characters uh our pink our our little pink uh girl named len um at least this is her virtual uh, uh her virtual persona um with her little pink p90 (laughs) named Peachon, who was absolutely wonderful, but, um, <laughs> uh, and M who are a team fighting, uh, for this, this tournament, the, the gun gale tournament, uh, that they're in. And so we get to see kind of them fight through this tournament. I, I want to say, is it just the first or is it the first and the second episode? Uh, no. Okay. But- so the first episode, it, it, they do that thing where like 
instead of giving you backstory, they're just like, all right, action. Yeah. And it's like totally throw you yeah, in they it. throw you in it, which I appreciated. And then the second episode, they're like, all right, context. Um, mm-hmm. which was, which, yeah, I couldn't remember if it was just one episode we got of the action or if it went through two, it but, technically went through uh, like, cause like you get one episode of the action context mm-hmm. and then the, the like, f- like follow up and, th- and then the rest of it, like the first half of the show, uh, is the first tournament, the first tournament. Yeah. And, and so you kind of get the, you get the action and then you almost see this again from a different point of view yeah this this is this is Uh, the squad jam tournament it's like it's like bullet of bullets bullet of bullets was was like 1v1v1v1v1 v1 v1 v1, but like this is thank you this is squads um so so that's really how the first half of the show plays out we learn after our first episode with the the action and the fighting and uh that len is actually um, much different in real life. She's a girl named Karen who is um, very self-conscious about her height. That seems to be kind of the main the main point of this character is she's um, self-conscious and she's looking for a way to kind of escape that. Well, and- <laughs> the, the, the self-consciousness is kind of played into her like like she's so self-conscious about her height that she, it's affected her ability to make friends. Like she has like one friend and every time she thinks about talking to people like in school, like she's in college right now, but you know, in high school she had this problem where, you know, people would just comment on her height. And of course being uh, as self-conscious as she is, she kind of just shut off. So yeah, she's like crippling, cripplingly insecure Mm -hmm. about her height. Um, And uh, it's a really funny moment where she, she goes and she buys like tons of these online uh, VR games that, because in these games, for whatever reason, you aren't allowed to choose your avatar. So she just kept buying these games until she got to Gun Gale, where she finally got a small character. <laughs> yeah, that was that that was a baffling part of yeah. of the show. It was just like, why? Mm-hmm. I mean, why not? That's how she ended up. Yeah. Why not just say she wanted to play Gun Gale, and this is the character she made? But yeah, it's just like like we have this little montage of her going through different games, including ALO, um, and then. Like and just seeing all the different characters she's randomly assigned until we get to uh, GGO where where she gets uh, Len. Although I will say, I mean I do remember in Sword Art Online uh, the second season when you know Kirito comes into GGO, it's like yeah. people comment on like his avatar and he didn't make his avatar either. So it's just yeah, that's definitely a feature in in the story. Uh, in his avatar, apparently Kirito's avatar was like super rare or something. He had like a, you know, I don't know. People were like offering to just, pay him. It's I think, still for baffling that like you don't get to yeah. choose. It is really weird. Um, but yeah, she gets a small she gets a small avatar, and she's she's pretty happy she, about that. She finally gets the small avatar, and in the funny kind of relationship she has with M, um, her partner throughout this first. Uh, uh, squad jam is adversely a really large guy in like a you know sniper kind of garb um she's bright pink little girl with a little p90 yeah. he's a yeah we um, get her backstory too in in ggo itself where she's apparently um afraid of other players because you know she's again kind of socially awkward uh, having not really spoken to people in a long time and so she kind of just picks up PvP 
like she just starts like based on her fear of the other people um uh, pking people and she blends into this one desert that apparently people farm in all the time this one desert that is in perpetual twilight so it's like you know sun setting like when the land is pink over the desert so she she and she's so quick and pink that like i guess she blends in well enough that she's gets this reputation as a pker <laughs> yeah um and this is where she meets uh pito hui the uh the other i i don't know if i'd say antagonist of the story but she uh it, it ends up being her partner in pk bill um and this girl's clearly like just totally sadistic and, and kind of crazy, but they seem to get along as far as their, their joint uh, interest in PKing. Um, but it also kind of turns out that her and M have a connection and that's how, uh, that's how Len ends up with M uh, through Peter. Well, Peter Hui kind of like coerces Len to, to join the squad jam. And Peter Hui apparently has some kind of, a prior engagement so she can't be in the squad jam so she assigns m to to help len out in the squad jam so i have to say i don't know if you were the same as me but i basically knew immediately when that happened who pita who he was who they're who her real really? life uh oh, oh, yeah. i had I no right fucking away. clue i mean yeah. looking back on it now it it's like like duh but i mean yeah uh, i don't know i just it, it hit me and i you know so um, which we won't give that away, but, uh, no, 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 no. This is a review caster. By the time we are finished with this, I will tell them who, who it is. Watch, watch the show. <laughs> Why are you listening to a review um, cast to spoil yourself? What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, so, um, so they win. Em and Len, uh, win the squad, the squad jam, the first squad jam. They end up up against this, uh, kind of, police unit at one point um who was using it as a training exercise uh they're up there are a couple of the other teams they ran into uh they there was like the machine gun club or something who were just, yeah just, just, like just a bunch dudes of who just men. like <laughs> who just like shooting machine guns like and they were just and, like they were just like finger constantly on the trigger just like no let up no nothing just just constantly shooting <laughs> but uh, they also meet excuse me a group of um they call them like Amazonists. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like very kind of like like beefy manly women um who make up this this group that ends up being kind of that that's their final uh that's the final standoff I think is between them and that group, right? I think so, yeah. If I remember correctly. Um, and and they it turns out that that group of, you know, big yeah buff you know manly women are uh, actually very short high school girls who len passes <laughs> all the time on the street but like she was embarrassed because she was taller than them and they were jealous because they like they thought she was pretty because she was tall and so eventually they <laughs> form a friendship and they realize that they both play ggo um as as role reversals essentially um yeah what do you call it and uh uh, they're the gymnastics club I yeah think, or yeah they're like the, the gymnastics yeah. club and they decided they wanted to be a better team so they so in order to you know harbor like teamwork bonds they uh they start playing sao together <laughs> or i'm sorry ggo together 
Uh, and we come to find out uh, in the course of the winning of the first squad jam, we find out from M that um, Pizza Hui was actually set to play SAO. And because she didn't, um, she kind of regretted it. And mm-hmm. she's kind of got this bent on death. Like she wants, yep. not, she doesn't just want to die, but she wants to kind of experience it. Like just around her, it's kind of a weird person. Yeah, she's a little bit. She she seems a little bit masochistic. Like she just or or she like was, sad, like both sadistic and mess. She's like sadomasochistic. Yeah. She's both. Yeah, because um, um, she wants to die, but at the same time, she definitely wants to inflict death on people. Um, right, and uh, we find out that like M is actually in love with her in real life, uh, and he doesn't want her to die. Um, mm-hmm. so M, so this is kind of where they, they inject a little bit of the real life death in a video game part that is in every single, uh, or it's in eh, most kind of, these of, I mean, like he, he says, lines. he says that if they, if they had lost the first squad jam that Pito, like mm-hmm. the real, P, uh, real life Pito Hui had threatened to kill him, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know how serious yeah. I took that. Yeah, though. I didn't take that terribly serious. Although he was like crying and like freaking out, so it was kind of a weird moment. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, because he wants to kind of save her, I guess from herself, uh, M convinces Len to join the second squad jam, which happens pretty quickly afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Len or Karen uh, convinces her friend Miu who is a prolific MMO player to uh, jump into GGO. And her character is also a tiny girl character. Uh, yeah, a little, little tiny blonde. A little blonde who's got like uh, <laughs> like World War II garb on <laughs> and uses <laughs> uses two like dual, dual grenade, grenade launchers. launchers, which let me tell you how hard those things are to shoot with two heads. <laughs> oh. She totally does it. Though. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, this show really got good for me in the second half when Len linked up with her friend. Yeah, I, I love um, Mew. I Mew just, was my favorite. It, it just got so fun. Um, their interaction and the way that they kind of worked with each other. Um, yeah, Mew was, was really now, fun. Uh, the second squad, like the first squad jam kind of felt like it, but the second squad jam felt to me so much like a PUBG match. <laughs> based on like sure just like did, like yeah. how many people were left and like every time they're scanned like oh there's this many people left i'm like oh my god this could be pudgy so that's yeah that's the important thing i think we didn't mention too about this the this the squad jam is that they have that scanner that goes off every however like 10 minutes or something or six i don't know uh, i don't remember exactly but um and it shows where the leader of the squad is on the map yeah but it doesn't show so like every... so if you split up like yeah there were it, right. it, it didn't show everything um so that was a huge part of the tactics and stuff that they had used was uh, kind of looking where everyone else was on the map. But then you never knew where the actual team was because it might just be that the leader was kind of hiding out somewhere yeah. and the team actually went somewhere else. But um, in the in the in the beginning of the second squad gym, like all of the main teams are kind of split up. And Len's goal is to have a confrontation with Pizza Hui. And mm-hmm. and so the, the this like latter half turns into you know, Len and Pizza Hui's journey to towards that final confrontation, um, which, you know, involves other teams and, and various fights and stuff like that. And Pizza Hui just being an absolute badass. Oh yeah. Totally like, crazy. When they when that one <laughs> squad like so 
Wow. Almost used PUBG. You know what? I'm just going to use PUBG terminology. When that one squad like pushed her house and like, like, like completely <laughs> raided the house and she was just like, nah, I'm just going to murder all of you. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that would feel so good in a battle royale game like PUBG. Like it would feel yeah. so good to do that to people. Uh, although you don't yep. get swords in PUBG. It's a damn shame. I guess you could use a machete. Anyway, um, what do you call it? So yeah, just they, they have their final confrontation and, and Len's just like, I don't know, beat some sense into her. Just to display kind of who Pete Dahui is too. There's that scene where the guy is holding his friend who's hanging off the cliff and she's just like letting them suffer yeah. for a while while she holds the gun at them. <laughs> I actually laughed at that scene because like yeah. there's no there's no real stakes. If they died, they just lose. So I was like, yeah. I'd do that. Like in a in a game like in a game like Sao, like uh, the Einkrad yeah. arc. Yeah, that's horrific. In a game like right, GGO, right. yeah, I'd do that myself too. Like, hey, sucks to suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guys are, and I'm, I was laughing too because the guys are get, like super dramatic about it. It's screaming. Like, <laughs> sorry, you guys lost. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, if you haven't noticed already, this is a lot more of a fun version, I think, of Sword yeah, Art. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, there there is it, some serious note because like Lens got or yeah. not Len, Pito Hui's got some serious like mental issues with yeah, with death no and doubt. and with like her kind of infatuation with just death as a concept. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Len is able to to beat her because, like, the th- her thing is is that she's never been beaten and she doesn't feel like anyone's strong enough to, like, give her that thrill of that excitement that she felt like she would have gotten uh, being in SAO. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Len gives it to her by by or by way of their final fight, which is... A pretty epic, although they lose, which was really that part was super anticlimactic to me. Like, which so one? okay, so uh, Len and and Pito Hui are having their final fight. They're they're duking it out, and Len, like, spoiler, spoilers again. Why are you spoiling yourself? Why didn't you watch the show if you're interested <laughs> in it? Um, if you're interested in our review, skip ahead to where we say numbers. Um, or if you're interested just in the numbers, I should say just skip ahead to where we say numbers. Um, Len, you know, beats Pita Hui. And then, like, there's another squad that, like, I, I'd completely forgotten how many they said were, like, still alive. They just come up and, like, double tap her. Pop up. <laughs> I was like, yeah. uh, really? <laughs> I mean, cool. I, I thought it was funny and an interesting way to do it because she didn't just automatically win the both squad jams because she was the protagonist. Right. Like, so I thought it was funny, but super anticlimactic because there was no, like, fight or anything. It was just like, oh. Pop. All right. Well, well I win. Yeah, the, I, I think the fight everyone was waiting for was Len and Peter yeah. Hui, and we got yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I, I liked how the the gymnastics girls got involved. I wish they were maybe a little more involved, but uh, I like how they kind of helped Len. Uh, you know, um, I think with her with her battle against M and Peter. Yeah, Hui. they just they gave her um, a little bit of courage and mm-hmm. all that stuff. All of them did. Uh, and there's a there's a uh, a gif floating around of there's like during the last battle like Miu ties Len's shoes together and like so you know she can have some time to like mm-hmm. kind of calm down and while everyone else just kind of <laughs> distracts Pitui and, and them and there's like this scene of of Miu running out like 
all happy looking uh, with uh, with her two <laughs> grenade launchers. It's so I have to find that gif. It's so funny. Uh, um, the scene itself is funny, but it's it's even funnier in gift form because it's just like over and over again. Anyway, but yeah, so they win, and uh, Len makes Pitahui, you know, made her agree that they would meet in person if she won. So final episode again. Spoiler, spoilers. Cover your ears. <laughs> You're not ready for this, but spoilers. Okay, so the reveal is totally not going to be interesting because we didn't even say. Oh, uh, we um, didn't. But they should be watching the show anyway. <laughs> yeah, watch the show. Yeah. Um, turns out Miu and and uh, Karen wanted to go to an idol concert or to a. I, I she's a singer. She's concert, like a solo a, a, a solo singer. artist. Yeah. Um, a concert uh, for for a. Uh, performer that they both really really liked uh earlier and that's why me i think Mew maybe was going to join her in the first squad jam potentially if she didn't have that concert to go yeah. to or something but she she didn't get tickets so she wound up um she wound up uh doing the squad jam instead but yeah so and again reveal spoilers uh it's the solo artist that is pita hui pita hui's the, the reason she couldn't participate in the first squad jam was because um, uh, she was performing at a concert. Her name is uh, Elza Kanzaki, by the way. The I performer. loved her concert in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, after at AX, after the Super Live, and after seeing some of those artists, uh, especially the more shy ones, uh, Aimer and um, um. Sayuri, there you go. Sorry, I brain farted for a second there. Uh, the, her character made a lot of sense to me. Not the death thing, but the the shyness and and maybe being someone different online. I mean, we've all kind of experienced that uh, to one degree or another. Um, yeah, she was super cute yeah. it, um, when they finally met her. It, it, it didn't seem like the same character at all, actually. Uh, in fact, it was kind of hard to believe that at that point that she was as dangerous as M made her out to be. Well, to be fair too, it's like M like they meet M in real life and M's just a regular kind of looking dude. His story disturbed me. And, and, and we kind of get a sense of how she's sadistic in real life as well, because apparently M was like this like fat otaku guy who followed, uh, uh, Elsa around and actually stalked her as a fan. And, she, instead of being, you know, your typical uh, solo singer, idol, whatever, um, who would like scream, call the police and and hide away for forever, uh, tied him up and beat the ever loving shit out of him, took him home, <laughs> continued to beat the ever loving shit out of him and verbally abuse him. And, and apparently because he's a masochist, that was the greatest gift she could give him. So, so he just kind of decided to, you know, become more healthy and and she over the like because because she like threatened you know to to sue him to turn him into the cop so he essentially became her her slave um like fetching her stuff and stuff like that and so he's kind of become healthy in her service <laughs> uh <laughs> so his his story was a, a wee bit disturbing but i it was i thought it was cool to have like her be like the solo singer who's got like a hidden side, like her fans see one side of her, but she's got this crazy, like sadomasochistic side. But it was also just, I think even that 
it was all just done in, in fun. It, it was all funny. Even that story, as disturbing as it sounds when you de- like when you describe yeah. it, it, I was laughing. Yeah, yeah, about for sure. It, yeah. Know? So it, this show at no point did it stay dark for a long. There's a couple times where it kind of teases you that it's going to get dark, but to me, it, it just stayed a fun, you know, enjoyable show the entire way. Yeah, through. for sure. I. I was really glad to go back to GGO, um, my favorite arc of SAO. But like, yeah, this this one much lower stakes and just a lot of fun and and battleground mechanics, which I can't ask for more. Uh, being a PUBG fan, so no, yeah, there was definitely some you know uh, inspiration I think taken from from PUBG. In fact, I want to say during the panel, they actually the the producer of the show said that he had taken some. He, he was a fan. He was a huge gun nut, and he was a fan of those games. So um, I'd forgotten about that. He'd said that. So producers but, of PUBG, if you're listening, and we know you are. Uh, <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, you need an anime um, uh, skin. Yeah, we need a P90 <laughs> and a pink skin for it. And P- Pichon would talk yes. to her sometimes. <laughs> like you she would be in in battle and she'd look at her at her p90 that she named peachon and little eyes would appear yes Yes. (laughs) it was so weird and and let me just say like just a quick aside just as a as a uh a ranma one half fan hearing peachon over and over again was very confusing early on because that's the name of the the, well the pig ryoga yeah ryoga's ryoga's pig form is named peachon Pichan would give Len like encouragement, <laughs> like yeah, it would wink at her and stuff like that. It's like how, you are hallucinating something fierce, holy, and in a game. But yeah, no, it was it was just really fun, just a super fun Sao, yeah. which is not and something someone, you're used to seeing. She, someone shot Pichan at one point. She got super pissed off and totally knifed him to death. Oh yeah, that was so cool. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no. When when Len turns it on, like in the game, she's pretty yeah. much like Pita Hui, just without the sadomasochism bit. She mm-hmm. just gets you know intense when she plays the, like GGO. But yeah, when she turns it yeah. on, it was so much fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, she was awesome. Like because she had like super speed, so she would really she'd go nuts and just she'd kill entire squads of people on her own, which was a little. I mean, at times it seemed a little. Yeah, it, it but... felt unfair because she was so short. It was like playing a uh, yeah. uh, fuck. I just lost it. 007, Goldeneye. 007, yeah. Um, uh, odd job. job, thank you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Essentially. That's yeah. how broken that shit was. So, <sighs> yeah. A lot of fun uh, anime. I actually i am going to be looking forward to grabbing the Blu-rays of this one, hopefully, because I enjoyed it. And I hope they like have OVAs and stuff like that for it. I hope they continue with this line. Like, I definitely can't wait for... Uh, the next season of of Sword Art proper, but mm-hmm. I hope they continue with Gun Gale uh, because mm-hmm. it was just a lot of fun, and I want more uh, battle royale type uh, type anime. Yeah, this was a fun show. It really was. It was enjoyable. Um, scores. Your show. You for you you first, mm. sir. <laughs> I'm struggling with this one. I don't think it deserves a five, but no, I wouldn't go anywhere. No, I, would, I wouldn't give it a no. five. Uh, I mean, I um, loved it, but... It, it's it's fun. I, I think we've gushed about it an awful lot, which is why I feel like I have to say that because people may be expecting it. Um, but 
a 4.5. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a 4.5. I'd watch it again. I probably will end up watching it again. Or at the very least, watch it like again just for and skip ahead to like the action parts or some of the funnier parts. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, this was a fun show. I, f- I feel like really we're higher on the show, show than some some of the people like other people who watched it. But yeah, I I I enjoyed it start to finish. It's not a it's not a masterpiece of you know literate you know literary you know expertise or whatever the hell, but um. It's just really fun. It was a fun show to watch. So um, I guess another just you need to know, I guess, what you're going in with. And if you're expecting another, um, not not to say any of the SAOs or literary masterpieces, but um, if you're expecting like darker SAO type tones where, you know, stuff is actually on the line. Yeah. No. Yeah. Kind of. But no. Yeah. Just fun. So. And more gun gale and uh, pink P90. <laughs> dual wielding dual wielding grenade launchers yeah no okay <sighs> so that's uh that's spring 2018 and we went a lot longer than i thought we were going to yeah. <laughs> happens yeah. um so this is why like we don't do one whole show <laughs> you're right yeah we would have been we would have we would have had a five-hour cast <laughs> uh, so we will unfortunately have to put your questions off I think everybody yeah. um, <laughs> we'll get to them eventually someday yeah. um, we might have to do like a dedicated question cast and turn some of those questions into a podcast topic yeah we could do that there's some uh, there's some there's some good ones there I think that we could really dive into so faux show faux show um yeah we'll we'll have to fit that in somewhere because probably the next cast that we do will probably be our first impressions um for the the uh, the summer season um and then yeah then i think it's fairly open until reviews come around again so yeah we'll, we'll we'll fit them in eventually um if you would like to submit a question that we will eventually get to, <laughs> you can hit us up on our various social medias. We are on Twitter at anime underscore arcade. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash anime arcade. We are on Instagram um, at the underscore anime underscore arcade. We have an email that is mail.animearcade at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Hit us up on any of those. We'll get you an invite to the Discord if you so desire. You can come join us, have fun, uh, submit those questions, and uh, talk anime or games or whatever. You know, we got we all or all kinds anime of channels games. here. There are some yeah. of those. Uh, I don't play DBZ Fighters, but I'd be willing to hear you out about it. I would love <laughs> to hear about DBZ Fighters. Or I don't know. They're sword art games. We can talk. Yeah, you know what? Just, just, just come talk to us. We're lonely. Yes, indeed. No, we're not. There's well. actually ten of people. <laughs> <laughs> always can be more, though. Yeah. We always yeah, the more the more people. And honestly, I, I can't even, I can't even say if you're one of those people out there who is a closet anime fan, how wonderful and just uh, liberating it feels to, to talk anime with with other anime fans. So if you're that person, come and join us. Indeed. But I think until next time, that's going to do it for us. So 
thank you all for listening and we will catch you later catch you next time see you soon